Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. Hey, it's Kira. Tune in to Saturday Breakfast on Red FM from 7 a.m. and wake up your weekend with music, chats, and all that's happening in Cork. That's Saturday Breakfast on Red FM with me, Kira Revens. And that's why papers this morning talk of a change in the weather. Sunny days back, or at least they say sunny days spring back after a recent Arctic spell. So that's good news. Um, Unfortunately, uh, not all great news making the front of the papers when it comes to um, vaccine rollouts. Of course, we have the John Johnson single jab now, which is a game changer, changer because the efficacy of it is very high. It's way up in the 90s. It's a, it's a super vaccine as, as vaccines go. For those of you that are interested in, in taking the vaccine, that is, um, you know, the AstraZeneca, not so good. It's only like mid-70s effectiveness. So uh, imagine which one you'd want. So we hear today uh, that uh, charity top brasses were offered the vaccine. I get confused now. There have been so many of these stories of people getting it who shouldn't have got it. All sorts of covert ways of getting the vaccine that I actually, you know, there's so many I can't keep them all in my head, but you can throw into the Irish Wheelchair Association now. It's a front page you're making today's uh, Irish Daily Mail. Senior managers and a number of staff who worked from home, either were working at home as well, uh, were offered COVID-19 vaccines according to the mail. Uh, they have confirmed at the association that 2,185 of its 2,300 staff uh, were offered appointments And a whistleblower within the charity says that it's rotten and disgusting where the vulnerable people who the charity is supposed to be serving are skipped in the queue for the jab by staff who aren't even on the front line. Now, the mail in their story this morning says they've seen correspondence between staff also claiming that they were told to keep quiet about their vaccinations. I mean, you can understand why words like disgusting and rotten are used. Um, Martin makes the front of the echo today. Uh, the uh, Irish, the uh, Irish Taoiseach talks of um, the praise and resilience of the people of Cork. <laughs> Singles out Cork for praise. I love it because uh, we got the easing levels today. Uh, I'll talk some more about that a little later on this morning. Five K is gone, and we don't want it back. We now have cases as low as pre Christmas, pre Christmas last year. <laughs> I mean. Uh, because this is a different year, obviously, in case you get confused about the years of COVID. But last night we reported 303 positive cases across the country. And that's lower than it was before Christmas. Mind you, we know what happened over Christmas, don't we? So we don't want to repeat that either. But while Mio Martin is praising Cork people on the front of the Echo this morning, Leo Varadkar is warning everybody else, do not go back to work until you have your jab. No jab. No work, or at least certainly not back in the office. But a lot of changes in the UK this morning because um, they're pretty much uh, as you were. Well, the start of as you were with lots more opening. Uh, after three months of lockdown, the Irish people have shown the metal. Now the HSE has, deliver, has to deliver on the vaccine promises of front pager making the sun. But the end of the 5K limit and today sees the reopening of all schools and all classes. So we have room for optimism. We certainly do. And as I said, uh, the examiner this morning talks of 14,000 doses of the single jab Johnson uh, vaccine, the J&J vaccine. It arrives in the country this week. We should get about 600,000 of the single jabs in this quarter. You know, this quarter would be, what would that be? April, May, June, July, May, June, July, August. I'm not 100% sure, but hold your horses because it will be first rolled out to homeless people, people in the traveling community and the Roma community and those engaged with the drug services. They're saying that they will give it to homeless 
travellers and Romas because they um, don't interact as much as other members of society, particularly with, you know, different state and government bodies and government agencies. So um, it'll be uh, the homeless travellers and Romas that will get the single dose Johnson & Johnson. That may annoy some people. I mean, others can see maybe the logic in it. Uh, with regards to the quarantine hotel, the mirror this morning, there was a man, like two different group people now, including Earl came from, back from, from Israel, um, have gone to court challenging the constitutionality of COVID uh, quarantine hotels, and they have won. Uh, and a man who was released from the mandatory hotel quarantine um, to care for his dying father was one of them who appealed to the High Court. He has now been allowed to leave the quarantine hotel, the 47-year-old. He actually came back from working in Israel as well. Um, and they talk in the papers today of the collapse of sales in ales and lagers during the pandemic. Now, you would think that alcohol consumption has gone up. It has in the home, and people are drinking on the streets, and you can see the street drinking, actually, with all of the litter. It's just awful, the amount of alcohol-related litter in our streets and parks. But beer sales, by and large, have plummeted. But... It, that shouldn't be a surprise. I mean, the pubs are closed, so the breweries aren't brewing as much. I mean, so they have it. Uh, and for a little more uh, of a view from across the water, hairdressers, gyms, zoos, libraries all reopen today. Uh, pubs open outdoors for pints where you don't even need to have food. Uh, and uh, many of the papers in the UK this morning talk about that as they plough ahead in the UK. There was a terrible fire across the weekend on Lee side up in Churchfield at the uh, recycling facility. Um, we shared it a lot on Twitter over the weekend, particularly with drone video footage that we were putting up. But the fire brigade are saying that um, it doesn't look as if it was um, uh, intentionally started. So foul play, not suspected in that one. And a great story, uh, a super story regarding the Grand National from the weekend um, with uh, Rachel Blackmore. Now, it's all very well to win the Grand National, but the change in her life is going to be amazing. Because this morning, um, the Red Tops are saying that she uh, will at least get um, 15 million euro in brand endorsements and a possible possible Hollywood film about her life. It would make a super movie, wouldn't it? Uh, the story of uh, Rachel Blackmore's rise to fame. And apparently she had no huge interest in horses way back in the day, but uh, by God, has she changed all of that? Became the winner of the Grand National of the Weekend. So they figure that the movie, the Hollywood movie, she'd be played by maybe Saoirse Ronan, Natalie Portman, or Phoebe Denevar, whose name I'm probably mispronouncing. But it's a super story, and all of the papers have uh, great stories and photographs of us celebrating not just Rachel Blackmore, but her entire family and those that love her. The other side of the story, then, of course, is for people who, um, you know, go into particularly reality television shows. I'm referring to Nikki Graham who was in Big Brother. It's very sad. I was looking at her Instagram page over the weekend and you could see that she was struggling for quite some time with the eating disorder, anorexia. And she actually, at one stage in her Instagram, was talking about the amount of trolling and abuse that she was getting from people. At one stage, she posted a figure, a photograph of the back of her head. And she said, I'd be better off just posting the back of my head up here. Maybe it will stop all of the abuse I put up with. Uh, she'd been fighting the illness since childhood and was first admitted to psychiatric care at the age of 12 after a suicide bid, and she died over the weekend. Tragic, tragic death at the age of 38. Uh, and in fact, the Mail picks up on that this morning, where they say the treatment for eating disorders in Ireland is non-existent, and they talk to sufferers. There are a lot more in the papers this morning, just conscious of time, so we'll come back to it in a few minutes' time and throughout the morning. Uh, particularly fungi. 
I mean, we all want to believe that Fungi moved from Dingle to West Cork, don't we? Don't give up that hope because even if it's not Fungi down west, whatever the dolphin's name is or whoever the dolphin is, if it's a playful one, We'll take them. The Neil Prenderville Show. Well, lines open at one 106 You can text 0868 Can I get straight to the phone lines? Because we were also tweeting this over the weekend. I mean, this is pretty shocking. But let Dennis tell the story. Dennis, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? Now, I know that, that Rocco the dog is home, so I'm delighted. And you can tell us about that in a moment. But what yeah. happened over the weekend? Um, so I went out for a walk at Rocco yesterday about four o'clock. We go the same route nearly every day up past Murphy's Rock pub, um, out towards the Black Man pub out that lane. Yeah. Um, we just came to the start of the lane. Um, a white Ford Focus drove past me and I didn't pay much attention to it. It didn't seem suspicious. Um, the car drove, turned around in the lane and drove past me. A man jumped out um, with a face mask on and a hood up with a hammer. He said, give me that dog. He tried to hit me a couple of times with the hammer. He was, you know, ducking, trying to uh, avoid it. And um, he just grabbed the dog, got into the car and sped away. He was in the back. There was two in the front. With a hammer? With a hammer, yeah, yeah. And what kind of a dog is Rocco? He's a French bulldog. What did you do next? Um, there was a couple across the road they they saw it happening they ran over straight away um, I ran I, the first thing I did actually was um, take a picture of the car as it was driving away trying to, I thought I got the reg but when I looked at the picture afterwards they actually had covered the reg with tissue um, so they knew what they were doing it wasn't a, you know a, a, an opportunistic thing I think they knew what they were doing because they'd covered the reg but um, as soon as I took the picture I, I rang the guards and straight away Okay um when they, when they jumped out, the guy with the, yeah. was it a balaclava? Did he say anything? Did you say he did like a surgical face mask on and his hood off? Okay, so okay, so you couldn't see his face. What did he actually say? Give me the dog, or I'll hit you with the hammer, something like that. Give me, give me that effing dog, yeah. And he he actually tried to hit me with the hammer as well, yeah. Tried to hit you where in the head? In the head, yeah. Now Rocco is a black and white French bulldog. Do yeah. they, do they, do they, would you think you regarded that as a dog worth stealing because it's an expensive dog? They're an expensive breed, yeah, yeah. So I'd say that's probably why it happened. So there was other people that had walked past me in the area with their dogs. They, he didn't stop and try and do it to them. He stopped me. You know oh. what I mean? Okay, okay. So that was four o'clock. Um, about, maybe about 20 past four, yeah. Okay. Um, what happened then? The guards got involved, public got involved, you posted it online, pick up the story again. Um, so, I did, a, a guard's car arrived, they asked me to the scene where it happened, they asked me quickly what happened, but they sped off, they said they were going to look for the car, so they sped off, but they told me wait where I was, that another car would be along, so another car came along, I don't live far from where it happened, so all my family came up, um, and with the guards, we stayed there with the guards for a while, um, we were talking, um, and the guards, I, ha- I asked the guards, is it okay to share it on social media? I didn't know what to do, and they said, yeah, do it. So I did. I never expected it to blow up the way it did. I think at the moment it has about 24,000 shares, um, hundreds of messages coming through, hundreds of comments and things like that, and I just can't thank people enough. Well, that's because it's so blatant and brazen and vicious. Somebody jumps out exactly. of a white Ford Focus with a hammer. I mean, that's exactly. in a different league. If you had put up a fight, do you think you could have got a slap of it? I'd say so. I'd say so. Yeah, like he tried. I, I had to avoid 
getting hit with it. He he didn't use it as a threat. He didn't use it to scare me. He tried to hit me with it. And is is Rocco a placid dog? Very, very. He he couldn't be any more friendly. There's a lovely photograph of him looking up at you as you take the picture. You know that one? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a lovely dog. Anyway, so it blew up on, on social media. Go ahead. Just blew up on social media. I could, obviously can't reply to everyone, um, but I just want to say thanks. Like it, it, social media, I think is the reason that I got him back. I can't thank people enough. Um, How did you get him back, though? What happened? The guards kind of wouldn't know. Being honest, when I came home yesterday after it happened, I went on the beer. So last night was all a bit hazy. But, you went um, on the beer. I definitely had <laughs> because to, you were to. you were missing him. Is it? After the shock, after the shock, I was absolutely shook. One led but, um, to another and another. So, do you recall how it unfolded then? Um, the guards arrived back with him at about half eleven, um, and obviously my family were here as well. But the guards said that they wouldn't, they wouldn't kind of give too much information at the time. They said they'd be back in contact with me today, and that they'd let me know what happened. Um, but yeah, I actually kind of don't know how we got him back. To be honest. I couldn't tell you to be honest I don't so know the full story they wouldn't tell me it's a mystery then as to how it's Rocco was retrieved and from where and from whom yeah 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 it'd be interesting to see what they tell you are you going to be touching base with them at some stage oh 100% yeah I mean it, it's not just test I want to do the person I did is I want them to be charged without trying to hit me with a hammer as well do you know what I mean I want, it, it's serious what happened it was violent like so they may come back then, if that's the case, for a statement in that regard, will they? Oh, the guards want a statement. Yeah, they told gotcha. me they'd be down today to get a statement. Gotcha. Off, yeah. Brilliant. Okay. Well, you can keep us posted as to how that goes. But um, Rocco's none the worse for wear, though, is he? Is he okay? It's like nothing happened. He's sitting on the mast there now, catching the sun, like he usually does this time in the morning. And uh, it's like he was never gone. How old is he? He's one and a half. He's one and a half. <laughs> He's a lovely, I don't have any videos of him, but the photographs, they're only black and white, but he's a right little happy chappy, isn't he? <laughs> he is. He's got a lovely face. The left-hand side, black. The, white hand, the right-hand side, white. I've never, like, never had a problem with him. He's, he's just a brilliant dog. He really is. So you're relieved. In spite, in spite of the hano- hangover this morning, you're relieved. <laughs> It's the relief is, is what I'm feeling at the moment. Thank God, not the hangover. I hope that doesn't kick in later today. Well, listen, uh, the adrenaline rush might keep you might keep you in good shape. Here's an interesting one. I wonder would you consider airing the incident that occurred yesterday in Ballyvillan? We have done that, where a man was walking his beloved dog and attacked by another man with a hammer and the dog taken. My partner walks our dog on a daily basis around the area and is frightened to go out on her own now. We've spoken in the past about her safety when out walking our dog, but the, is, this incident has left us feeling like it's not safe to walk him in the area anymore. Uh, see, that's as a consequence of your story. That's an email from Niall. Oh. Yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy. Like, you just don't... I, I, I'd heard of stuff like this happening to other people uh, in other countries, and I'd never thought that it was going to happen to me. I, it never crossed my mind that it was happening. I never once worried about going out for a walk with the dog. It just didn't enter my head, but I, I will definitely be more careful. In and Dennis, can when, I ask you, why do you think they would want to steal Rocco? Would it just be to sell, to breed, or what? To sell, I'd say. Like I said, he's an expensive, they're an expensive breed. I'd say he was probably going to be sold. 
Okay, but the guardy obviously worked on some kind of intelligence. You'll come back to us anyway with an update when you talk to the guards again, won't you? Definitely, definitely. Let you know what happened. You're the greatest, and give Rocco a hug from all of us. Thanks for picking up <laughs> and taking the call this morning, Dennis. Cheers, my man. No problem at all. Neil. Thanks a million. Take care, thanks, brother. Thanks for everyone that helped me yesterday, that shared and commented and sent me messages. Thanks. Well you. said. Have a good day. Cheers. Thanks a million. Bye bye. Let's open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. We'll pick it up after the break. Thank you. Talk to Neil Prinderville now. Eighteen fifty one zero four one zero six. Red FM. Ah, yes, indeed. Nothing safe or safer, safe or sacred these days, including the family pet. Uh, thefts are up in very, lots of different areas in the past twelve months. Dogs amongst them. Also, I was reading in the Irish in the English Times this morning that one of the big ticket items in the UK is hot tubs. Apparently, thieves are getting themselves into hot water. But perhaps not in the way the police would like. Britain is suffering a rising number of hot tub thefts with people creeping into gardens and stealing the pools, which is kind of amazing because it's not as if you can put a hot tub on your back and lug it out the drive and throw it into the back of a van. There are big beasts trying to take out, but apparently they're being stolen. I wonder if they're being probably like a lot of things being stolen to order these days. Uh, mind you, big changes in the UK this morning with regards to what they can and can't do and where they can and can't go. Us as well. Lovely text coming in here from people telling me where they're going. See a lovely one there about uh, going down to Kinsale. I hope to go for a bit of an old spin today, just round about lunchtime down to down to Kinsale, just to be able to do it, just for the sake of being able to drive and move further than 5K. Here's a lovely one. The sun is shining and the 5K is lifted. Delighted to be heading down to Kinsale for a spin and to see the coast and the sand. Never going back to lockdown. Stay safe, everyone, on your travels and mind each other. COVID isn't gone, but life will carry on. So, enjoy yourselves down there. If it's Kinsale bound, you are. Maybe you might get a bit of takeout food, a bit of click and collect, and, and off you go. Uh, there is another story in the UK, of course, because of the weekend we had the death of uh, Prince Philip. I, I liked him. I thought he was always very a quirky kind of a chap, and he always gave uh, great headlines, uh, unfortunately, a lot of the time for uh, hoof and moments and the things that he used to say. Uh, but actually, the BBC at the weekend had to open a special section on their website. They were getting so many complaints from people saying that there was too much coverage of the death of uh, of Prince Philip. It did dominate very much right across the weekend. But one of the areas that I uh, read uh, over the weekend was... Um, he would have these hoof and mouth moments where he would say things that he shouldn't say to people. And uh, the papers, they started quietly doing it. And then when one paper did it, all the start, and then there was a kind of a roll and everybody was was uh, carrying quotes of Prince Philip uh, down through the years. Like there was the time when a 13-year-old boy uh, was chatting to Prince Philip and he said he wanted to go into space. Philip system, you're too fat to be an astronaut. <laughs> imagine saying something like that or to a young female officer wearing a bulletproof vest he said you look like a suicide bomber or to the Scottish driving instructor where he said to the driving instructor he said how do you keep the natives off the booze long enough to pass the test quite sure that Scottish people didn't like that uh, to a British student in China um, I'm not even going to read this out uh, because it's just so, such a horrid thing to say but it references eyes uh, to a British student uh, trekking in Papua New Guinea uh, you managed not to get eaten then he said and to an Aboriginal leader in Australia do you still throw spears at each other and to a Nigerian president who wore their n- traditional robes and very colourful garments as is their traditional robe, he said, you look ready for bed. Which is kind of funny in itself. But the others, and that's only a selection of them. 
um, but people in public at places actually funnily enough we look at politicians as well in the papers today with the mail saying there is a special fund that I never knew about it's called the special secretarial allowance and they say the politicians ministers TDs and senators uh, spent 674,000 euro in as little as nine months getting PR advice PR advice and unfortunately all too often the PR advice was given to them by who? Family members that they paid for the PR advice. I mean, you couldn't make this stuff up and obviously it's unacceptable and nothing will ever, ever happen about it. Anyway, lines open at one 106 text 0868104106. I'll get back to the calls if you'd like and come back to a lot of other stuff throughout the course of the morning. But on Friday we were speaking about the white lady now, I always thought the white lady was the white lady of, of, of um, Kinsale who threw herself off the ramparts uh, down uh, in Charlesfort. May, maybe it is her. Maybe she just literally um, moves all the way up and down the coast from West Cork over as far as East Cork. And then, of course, we spoke about the ghost of Mal Goggin. Uh, from y'all and other stories like that. And it prompted lots of calls and texts from people with regards to ghosts and spirits and apparitions. And I'll come back to the texts and emails, no bother, but I just want to get back to some phone calls. Heather, good morning. Morning, Neil. Share with us. I know it's not, I know it's not y'all, but um, an experience in your own home when you were young. What was that? Yeah, um, when I was, I'd say I was only about 10 or so and I, I live in the, well, I lived in the countryside and I was up in my friend's house and it was dark and I was walking home but it was, I'd say it was probably still only about 6 o'clock. Or Where I'd was know. this? Where, what area? In Tower. Okay, okay, what happened? It's, it's past Lerney, but, um, or, yeah, um, I was walking and like there's no street lights or nothing like there was less houses then as well. It's just a ditch either side and fields either side and um I could just see like it's street and then it's down a little hill to our house where at the end of the cul de sac and I could just see this woman in all white at the end of like just at the top of the hill kind of and I didn't know what to do I just kept walking because I was like oh god what is this but like I was only 10 and <laughs> I did, there was no phones back then and I didn't want to just turn around so I just kept walking towards her yeah and, so um, describe her for me uh, just all it just looked nearly like glowing like and it was pitch black like, but was there maybe a car was, going around a corner the headlights of a car catching someone or something like that, no? No, like, well, you see, she was just all white and there was nothing, there was no lights anywhere and then the closer I got to her, she wasn't going away because first I thought, oh, this is a shadow or it's, a, you know, something and it'll go away and then um, my mum's car just came up the little hill and her car lights were there and as soon as she came up the hill, like, it's only not even a 10-minute walk, like, about five minutes, um, she disappeared when my mom's car came. Like when the lights from my mom's car came around the corner, then she just disappeared. And I was so freaked out. I never even told my mom or anything because I was afraid in case I mentioned to her that I'd see her again. <laughs> wow. So how close did she get to you before your mom came um, along? Well, I was walking a good, I'd say, I don't know. Uh, a couple of minutes like I was walking just straight and looking at her and it was I was I'd say I don't know like 
10 metres away or something by the time my mom got there and I had already walked, you um, know. Was she walking towards you or was she kind of like like um, floating towards you? I can't remember. Like, I, I think that she was just staying in the one spot. But I was walking towards, and I thought in my head, like, oh, it's a shadow, or it's something, it'll go away. All in white. I walked to it, yeah. But the more I got closer, it was just more vivid or whatever, like, yeah, all just white. But, like, it didn't look like a person, because, like, I wouldn't have been, like, freaked out if it was just a person. Yeah, it was like, yeah, no kind of, I wouldn't, I don't remember, I just remember, like, a dress and, like, not really her face or anything I like know, that. I know, but it's the dress would be an indication of saying that she yeah. was female and white. Yeah, and yeah. And you don't, you wouldn't put it dress. down to an active imagination of a 10-year-old out at night, you know, yeah. that kind of thing? Well, I, like, I would have never heard of any of the, like, lady in white or whatever, any of those things from y'all or whatever you were on about, like, so, yeah. you know, I wouldn't have you know, heard of it. So, <laughs> like, I'm on my own on my own Instagram at the weekend, and I'm not sharing this because I've been asked not to share it. But I was sent mm. an extraordinary photograph from somebody who follows me on Instagram, and thank you for mm. it. It's a photograph that she got from a friend, right? If I could describe it, if you think of a wooded area, right, and, yeah. a, and a lad playing in the wooded area, and mm. somebody maybe twenty or thirty feet away taking a photograph of the lad playing in the wooded area. Behind him and to the right, recessed amongst the trees, and this is really spooky, but I've been asked mm. not to share it, is what looks like the image of another young boy, right? Yeah. Um, the other young boy, it's hard to say, but it looks as if the boy in the background is very vague and kind of mm. faded um, and looks to me as if he's wearing some kind of an old, old-fashioned school uniform. And they said, yeah. the boy in what we think is a school uniform on the right of the picture. Um, and I think it's, an, as I said to them, that is one heck of an insane mm. photograph. Because, like, but were there times before when one photograph from a roll of film got superimposed onto another photograph from the yeah. same roll of film? Yeah, like, I'd be more, not sceptical, but, you know, it would be hard to know with photos, but I suppose like if you're there and you experience this, it's different you know But this was only taken five years ago, so it mm. would have been taken with a mobile phone yeah, or a digital camera, so how could it be mm. one yeah. photograph leaking into another in the negative? It couldn't be, you see mm. And yeah, that's a pity you can't share it. <laughs> it's insane I'm looking at it here again and it's just wow why is and there a ghostly was, figure of a young boy behind his back? I know, that's strange. No, that was the only time that I kind of, I feel like I kind of saw like something. But I, in my house as well, there was, we had this old wardrobe. It was an antique one that my parents had just gotten. I was sitting next to it with a friend and it was during the day now, so it wasn't spooky and it was sunny outside and all the doors were open parents gardening outside and there was just like two big bangs from the inside of the wardrobe that we were sitting next that we were sitting next to because there was a computer there and back then that was the only way to go on the internet there was no phones yeah. and all that and um, the two of us kind of just looked at each other but like said nothing because we were like sure that was nothing you know and I don't know sometimes when you acknowledge it it's worse so we just 
continued on and then like literally a minute later there was like three like really loud like shook the the thing bangs and there was no one else in the house but us and my parents were outside and like that now it wasn't like oh it's in your head because it's spooky and the lights are off yeah, it wasn't the plumbing like no oh no it wasn't near it's, it was in my parents bedroom and it wasn't near any like amazing. you know there was nothing on the other side of it or anything like amazing, that amazing 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 yeah. All right. Listen, fair play to you. Thanks for giving us a shout. Appreciate Thanks. it. Get some more Can call. I say, I'm so delighted that Rocco has found it. I hope his owner is okay as well. He'll be fine. All's good. He's back with the. He's back with his loved ones. Actually, I have an update on that. Thank you for that. Appreciate it, Heather. Um, Bigardi gave us a statement on this because we asked him where you were with regards to this incident in Ballyvalan yesterday. And they said, Gardy, you're investigating a robbery incident in Bal- on Ballancolly Road, Ballyvalan, on the 11th. At 4.30pm, a man was out walking his dog when a car pulled up beside him. A man exited the car armed with what is believed to be a hammer and threatened the man to hand over his dog. The dog was then taken and put into the car, which then left the area. The incident was reported to Gardaí and as part of the investigation the dog has since been recovered and returned to the owner. No arrests have been made. The investigation is ongoing. And that's from uh, Garda Press this morning and thank you for it. So that's an ongoing investigation. Tom, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for holding. We're going back what, 40 years, is it? Uh, yes, to them. I, I think my mom, my mom was saying it was um, the early 70s or something like that but um, she was basically a young girl and uh, in her local place there there, were, there was talk about knocking a church and there was protests going on for a while and stuff like that but eventually anyway the church was knocked but before it was knocked Where was that? Was, up, was that up Mallow Way? Um, yeah it was outside Mallow there near Kilpatter okay. Church Yeah Okay <laughs> But um she went down one day with her friend, or, or her, yeah, one of her friends, and they went down one day, and um, I think she was about 14 at the time. But, like, uh, back then, she was poor, like, they had no money or they had nothing, like, you know. And below, on the, on the front of the wall, there was a lot of coins embedded on the wall. So, like, there was one piece, two piece, all this kind of thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, she went back home and to get a hammer and chisel and came back, and the coins were gone. Now, there was other kind of bits of stories and as well, chains rattling and all this thing. But when your mother says it, you kind of believe it. But at the same time, you're thinking, whatever, like, you know. <laughs> but years later, I took my kids down there. And um, I was telling them all these stories, what their, their grandmother was telling me. And just as I was passing the church, with, which was knocked out, like it's kind of a burial site, the car conked. Lights went out, car conked. And the missus was there looking at me saying, we you stop scaring the kids, like, you know. I wasn't like so I passed down anyway and turned the car around you got it started again and, yeah okay it, yeah, sorry yeah, just as it passed it the car just came back on so I came back up again same thing happened it happened three times that night three times that night when, when I went up down up car conks lights out everything it was pitch dark now like it was all 11 o'clock at night so like after that I was kind of thinking I was thinking back into all the other stories that my man was telling me what like, kind you know? of stories did she tell you like that, no, with the coins, and they came back an hour later and it was gone, and there was chains constantly being heard. Um, she, she, a couple of years later, she after, she went down and she could hear chains, and she could hear the, like, she, her friend came home from abroad. She was a nun, and she was telling her friend, the nun, all these stories, and they went down one night and they heard the, the rattling in the chains, and the minute the nun stepped inside the gate, everything just stopped. And the nun witnessed it herself, like... 
Because they, they say about that there were nuns down y'all way that knew that there were ghosts in y'all and that there was ghosts hanging around where Mulgoggin used to be and things like that and the, the houses along the front. And they kept it quiet and that, um, you know, there was even a text came in that they would give, they were giving the kids sweets and money to stay quiet about it. I don't know whether that's probably just, that's probably wrong age, but that, you know. Then, but why, why, would, why, why would there be, why would there be chains? You see, it was all built around, I think, at the time that the, like, the locals were protesting. They weren't using the church anymore. They were after building a church a mile away. But it was sacred ground. They didn't want the church being built. And I think, actually, the, the, the whole story behind it was someone went in at night time to knock the church or something in it, if, if I can remember, if I can recall. So, like, it was against all locals. It, it, it wasn't to be knocked. And in the end, it was knocked. And, and I think people had bad looks when it was involved in it and all this kind of thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's that's bizarre that there would be a lot of embedded coins and one hour later, all of the embedded coins are well, gone. That's the biggest thing she can remember. Like, she can remember the coins over there. And, like, I even spoke to the friend that was with her. And she was the same age as her at the time. And she goes, yeah, it was, it was scary. Like, at the time, we had no money. And we, we, we literally, our, our house was, say, a mile away. And they shot back for a hammer and chisel and then came back down. And the coins were just, it was just a smooth wall, like, you know? <laughs> there for, was, for both of them to say it, like, th- you, you know? mean there wasn't even gaps where the coins had been? No, nothing. There, like, there was nothing ever there. It was just oh a smooth plaster wall. That's amazing. That's amazing. Oh, yeah. oh, Cheers, yeah. Tom. Thanks for sharing. No, Appreciate it. Sure. Text 0868 Back after the break. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at NeilRedFM. 104 to 106 Red FM. It's a quite interesting story to say the least. Tim, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you? It's an amazing story. No, no names, obviously, because I don't want to no. in any way, shape, identify the families involved. But this was about 20 years ago? Yeah, I... Um, essentially, my story starts... We would start a year before I ended up working in the area I was working in. Um I heard of the industrial, it was an industrial accident in Cork and I heard about it and a week later I said to myself, you know, I'll put in my CV in there for some reason. So I put in my CV and a year later after there was a chap who, who um, he died in, uh, very suddenly in an industrial accident in, in the Cork Harbour area. And a year later I got a job working in the, the same factory and uh, I worked there for about a year I worked there for, for over three years, but the first year I was working there, I had no inkling of anything. I we I knew I knew that a chap had passed away in one of the production rooms, but you know that was this like. So I was working away for a year, and then I got a transfer into a, the same department where this chap had been working, and I ended up working in the same process room where this chap had passed yeah, away. Yeah, and, and I don't want any details at all about the accident or how he died yeah. or anything like yeah, that. Yeah. There's no, there's actually no need for any of that. Okay. okay. So, yeah, so essentially, my, my first couple of days working in this area, um, daytime or nighttime, essentially, the first experience was in daytime. I would walk into the room and I would get goose pimples all over my 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 body like you know like someone steps over you know that feeling when someone steps in your grave yeah. as people say yeah, yeah. I, I could feel it like and I was getting a physical reaction uh, and I so I kind of did a test so I'd step into the room I'd get goose pimples and then I'd step out of the room and they'd go away and I'd step into the room and i get goose pimples so I figured there was something going on kind of that I didn't understand yeah, well so, some, might, some may say you were creating that sensation yourself Possibly, possibly, yeah. Okay, okay. Just putting yeah, it out there. Possibly. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 
possibly, possibly. Um, so uh, I, 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 I would have to work there in this area pretty much on every shift for a few hours. And daytime or nighttime, you know, I would, I was seeing movement in the corner of my eyes, uh, picking up on someone looking at me from behind, you know, uh, feeling like I was being watched. But it wasn't a negative feeling. It was just it was slightly uncomfortable. And so I decided one day that I'd start talking to whatever was there, you know, um, because my feeling was that whoever this individual was uh, passed away quite suddenly and wasn't aware that they were dead. So I, uh, I, I suppose, um, I just, well, I started, doing, I started explaining to the other energy in the room that they're they had been killed in an industrial accident and it was time for them to move towards the light. Why did you do that? I mean, like you said that they didn't know that they were dead. That's like something out of the sixth sense. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of like um, there's, there's a theory that, you know, you, if you pass away suddenly that you can end up kind of trapped in this plane, you know, this astral plane as such. And that you, and because of the violence or the sudden aspect of passing away, that you you get stuck in in this like uh, earthly realm, uh, and that and that 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 explains a lot of hauntings and ghost uh, activity in people's lives. Um, and that's uh, something that people can do is that when they do sense that there is an al- uh, an alternative energy around them, is to acknowledge it and, and speak to it. And that's what you uh, did. You started talking. Yeah. What did you I say? Started, I, I sung, uh, I actually started singing um, <laughs> Let It Be by uh, the Beatles um, because it was quite, um, uh, I was going into work that evening and I heard Let It Be by the Beatles and I started thinking about my encounters. And I said, I figured to myself, you know, I'll go in now because it was very really low the ear, where ear defenders in there to protect your hearing so okay. no one hear me yeah. so I could give it a good belt you know so I started seeing, singing Let It Be you know because that brings in the aspect of Mother Mary in the lyrics and 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 just started after that after I finished my singing I I uh, explained to the energy in the room that he had passed away and that he should um, acknowledge that and, and if he could have at all possibly start heading towards the light now after that the the energy dissipated in the room. I didn't have, as you earlier said, it could be in my head as well. Like, but the goose pimples and those kind of uh, heeji, well, those kind of feelings, like the heeji, what is what's the word? Sorry, the heebie-jeebie. The heebie-jeebies, not the BGs, but the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> that sense, sorry, yeah, that sense kind of dissipated. So then, did you subsequently talk to a medium about this? No, I didn't actually go to the medium about this. I, I every now and then I don't anymore actually go to mediums because um, I, I just don't. I have a reason for that. I think the the power of suggestibility. You know, if you go to a tarot reader, I think there's. I do think that in relation to tarot readers and mediums, there's people with gifts. But I think you know when you te- when when people kind of give you an outline of what the future could be, that, that that's that's like predictive programming and the power of suggestibility slips in and people actually then start enacting those uh, those pieces of advice but 
However, you, people, some went, people can become very vulnerable to them. It can be addictive and it, it can ruin and rule their lives. Others think it's I, a bit of a laugh. You might go with a bunch of friends, but you know, yeah, you, I, they I, can I, be risky. But anyway, you, you bumped into one, was it? risk to it because if you are vulnerable, you're susceptible to taking on other people's ideas about how you should live your life. But um, so I went to one. Let's move around a little bit there, Tim. I won't keep you much longer. So I went to one in 2012 and just I was having some issues and I wanted to get some outline, you know. (laughs) So I figured instead of going to a counsellor, which I probably should have done, I went to to a a, a medium. So she did the tarot cards and whatnot. And through the, the reading, she said, she kind of suddenly got really rigid in herself and she said, look, I have, to, I have to talk to you about something that's going on in the room right now. I was like, okay. And she said, there's a man in the room and he passed away from an industrial accident and he's been traveling around with you ever since you came across him and he's in your life and he is really, really, really angry with you. And I was like, what? He's, re- he's angry? What What the hell's going on here? You know, I was, I was like, why, why the hell would he? Because I knew straight away who he was talking about. Uh, and again, I want let's keep yeah. this anonymous and vague, yeah. no references yeah. to the injury or the man or the area. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so uh, I, I I was like, look, why is he angry at me? And she was like, because you were you were aware of him and you're aware of your experience with him and he he feels this is what she was being what the what the spirit was telling the medium to tell me was that I should have gone to his family and like knocked on the door and had a cup of tea and sat on the couch and you know being a conduit for him to 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 um to communicate with his family and uh, I said that, that's not going to happen like no way weird no way. isn't it that, that no, medium was, male or female was it a he or a she that you met with I was a female medium that I met with how did she know and about that Had you hadn't told I, her in advance or anything no there's no there's no that's way spooky there's no way on this earthly world, Neil, that that lady would have known anything about this. But sure, there's no way that you'd have gone to the family of somebody who died in the place that you worked. They, 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 yeah. they would have been really upset if you came into their house like that, wouldn't they? I, I, I believe, imagine I, they would. I, I believe so, Neil. So I kind of, I told the medium to tell the spirit to go on away and you can fill in the blanks yourself because there was no way that I was going to go and do that. Not a hope. And did yeah. this medium tell you why he couldn't have gone to his own family rather than having to go through you? Because he he was trapped. Uh, as, as, so essentially, I thought he he had moved towards the light in in the encounters I was having in the workplace. But obviously, he attached himself onto me unknowingly to me. I had been traveling around in my life with me, you know. And twelve years on, do you think that that still is the case? No, I have no sense of him in my life, no. It's kind of no, sad, isn't it? It's sad. It is. It is sad, but I, I tried to counsel, counsel him as best I could. Um, and uh, I, I'm not too sure where he is now. Quite Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Listen, yeah. thanks so much, Tim. Have a good day. Thanks for sharing. Uh, a lot of people... Cheers, my man. A lot of people texting say, why won't you share that photograph that you were sent on Instagram? Because I was asked not to share it. Just, we're just sending you this for your own. I've described it to you as best I can. The boy playing in the woods and behind them 
what looks like another boy, the much more faded, grainy image of another boy behind him, um, what looks like to me like old, old style uh, school uniform, because I've been asked not to. So I have to, um, I have to honour that. I have to respect that. Uh, but I've described it for you as best I can. Back after 10. I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie. And you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sport every weekend on The Big Red Bench. That's The Big Red Bench. Every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. Get it off your chest. Text The Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. It's a company called Syro rolling out Ireland's ultra-fast 100% fibre broadband. It's the kind of broadband everybody wants. The super, super fast. They call it ultra-fast, which is probably faster than super-fast. And right across this week, we are giving away uh, free cash. Your opportunity to win €300 in cash right across the day all week long so stay listening for your cue to call an opportunity to win 300 euro in cash and when you hear the cue to call right across the week uh, on all programs in association with Syro uh, ultra fast 100% fiber broadband you know with regards to Rocco that was taken and then returned yesterday I think Dennis was also saying that um, because of all of the social media interest in the abduction of Rocco yesterday distraught enough as Dennis was one of the reasons maybe that he got him back was that because of all of the social media attention that Rocco became too hot to handle. So maybe, I don't know how the guards found him. I don't know whether they had intelligence bringing them to whoever took him or whether he was found wandering. Um, uh, but certainly he's back uh, home with Dennis and that's great news. And if there are updates, I gave you the update from Garda Press this morning. But for your further updates, I will bring them to your attention at, uh, as soon as I do. And great news for Emo. Do you remember Emo? was on the air some time ago with us. He was busking down around uh, Black Rock and had to move on a few times. He's been trending on social media over the past 24 hours. Picked up an article on him on buzz.ie this morning. Cork's very own singer-songwriter, Emo. Stunning audiences on the new BBC show, I Can See Your Voice. It aired last night. Well, it aired on the 10th of April, so that would have been, I guess, Saturday night. But he's flying in, and I hope um, there are big things to come for Emo, for he certainly is a super talent and a super cork talent for that. So good luck to him. Played a song of his on the air about a week, maybe 10 days ago. Anyway, lines open at one 850 Just going to stay with this for a little while longer because I got a text in there on Friday saying my uncle was the, is the caretaker of Vernon Mount House um, and, was, and he always swore that it was haunted by the ghost of Mary Pike the woman who was abducted and held captive there. Uh, and I know Willie, he's a good friend of mine, although I haven't seen him in a while, but uh, uh, we did uh, we had many a chat and many a cup of tea and coffee talking about uh, Vernamont House. He was the caretaker for many, many years there. So I put in a quick call to him this morning. He joins me by phone. Willie, good morning. Good morning, how are you? How have you how been, you pal? Been? All good with you? Oh, I'm grand, grand, grand altogether, grand altogether. Getting, through, getting through COVID. Quiet, isn't that quiet for us at the moment? Not a whole lot going on. It wasn't quite me yesterday, I can tell you. No, no are you out and about? I was out and about. I was out and about. I was with about 300 kids up there. Is that still going on, Willie? Yeah, about two to 300, not more. Yesterday, the girls shifted them out of it. They're using it because there's a walkway and a path in now, isn't there? And they're using yeah, it. Yeah, the council, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is little no bottles, cans, empty bags, you name it. Oh, for God's sake. And is that is that very regular over the past 12 months? It's, it's gone very regular. Gone very regular. Yeah, you, you, you can kind of understand. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Like, I don't know where they're getting the drink. Like, someone must be getting it for them. Like, they're not. Because some were on even 14 less, like. That you know. young? 
young, yeah, 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 yeah. And it's not, it's, it's all sorts of drink, is it? Oh, everything. Vodka, you name it, that. <laughs> and are they local to the area? Are they local to Frankfield and Grange? Or? I'd, I'd say some, it does certain percentage near a home. Like. Isn't it heartbreaking that they're so young? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I mean, I enjoyed myself when I was young as well, you know. But we never went to the extent to damaging people's property, like. Well, ultimately, the house got burnt down, of course. That was the it ultimate damage. Enough. And, and nothing happened over it. Yeah, I know, I know. Probably Slapping because they were hand. underage and got a caution, I suppose, you know? Slapping the hand underage, that's it, and this one of the parents are responsible. You wouldn't believe I got a shock when I went up there. <laughs> when you went up there when? Yesterday or when it burnt down? When I went up there yesterday. You saw so many I mean, of them? The, the one lad said, he said, we were wrong because he had this chap that runs the club, rang me, he says, I've got my key. And he said, I heard there was bikes above, so I, I normally had a bike from my house. And so I went up and I'd look, I got a shock of my life. There were so many of them. Three to, three to four hundred young people up there. And did they scarper when they see you then, or do they wait till the guards come? Well, they approached me. I, t- I tell no guys, some were very nice to me and all that. But some people then were so drunk, they didn't care. So they're like, they're so young, aren't they? To be so drunk. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, understand yeah. that they're fed up of all of this and they want to be with their friends and their mates. We all understand that. But they're yeah, so yeah, young. Like, I, I don't know, but I talk to them, be nice to them, you know, because there's no point in attacking and asking them to move somewhere. I just inform them the girls are on their way up. But and who yeah, does, the, who is to do the clean up then after the guards scatter them? Lads walking in the club. They'll have to go up with black bags and clean up all over the place. Yeah, they already have, they already have about ten or fifteen bags full during the week. Cans and bottles and plastic, cans and, and bottles, and they're smashing bottles, then and everything. And it's also what you keep on yourself otherwise. Good, my man, can't complain. Listen, sorry to hear that. Um, obviously, no. it paid the house paid the ultimate price. Burnt down. It's oh, it did. like it did. what's left? It what's did. left of it now? There's nothing left. Just the front wall, just the front facade. I should front say. Front wall. That's that's it. There's nothing any good in there. No. And what's the intention of the owner overseas? Any news? No, you know what's going to happen with it or anything? Too far gone? The owner passed it. The owner, one of the owners passed away. Right? Which happened in America. Yeah. And recently, there was, we used, there used to be barriers put up, but they knocked the barriers off. Some of us came down recently from Dublin there, and he put up all heavy mesh fencing around the prior for the house. So I don't know how long that's going to last. So you don't know what the future holds for it. But look, looking towards the past, because you were the caretaker there for many years yeah, when it yeah, was when it was yeah. standing and you could go around yeah. the rooms. And of course, I, I visited oh, yeah, and went yeah. around all of the rooms. Talk, yeah. talk about the presence, because your niece was saying that you always believed that Mary Pike, who was abducted by Henry Brown Hayes in 1797, she was a 21-year-old young girl, a very wealthy heiress, abducted, taken there, um, married under she was, she was actually she was actually a Quaker Quaker yeah yeah Quaker heiress seventeen ninety seven seven that's right yeah forced uh, into marriage into marriage in the house and uh, he's in the house and he held her he was a sheriff 
He was a sheriff of Cork and lieutenant in the Cork military or whatever they call it. That yeah, day. yeah. She got rescued you know? by her uncle. Um, he did That's a runner right, yeah. and then there was a, a reward out for his yeah. capture. He was captured. I've I, I seen the original paper. It is in, from a letter about 10 years ago. I found it in an attic. And he asked me, I asked him for a copy of it and he said, hey, do it, but I never got it. But it was a hot paper and it was all about her capture and all that. And it was 500 guineas reward for, for a say, for a total for information. That's what the family offered. And I think he was ultimately shot by a barber on the, on the Grand Parade or something, was it? Or there was talk. You know? Yeah, I don't know. There was talk then that Henry Brown Hayes actually wanted to give himself up and they split the proceeds. I don't know about that, but he ended up in, yeah. he ended up in Australia anyway, serving time out there. Oh, yeah, sure. That, that's why I'm reading out about him there. He, 1762 to 1832. That's when he lived. He's buried in the crypt. I saw. I was in the crypt actually. Saw his grave in, in Christchurch. So, or sorry, I saw his his headstone and his coffin in, in Christchurch. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah. what what about the presence of Mary Pike in the house? Well, what I found, I like I used to take no notice of it. You know that is an old house. It had all the streets and crannies. You know, and at that stage, then you know you'd be going around the house like and. Down in the basement now, like there's no windows, no nothing. I went down to just put money away in the safe that we used to have down there, you know. Yeah. And there's no windows, two doors, they're fully solid, and heavy cold breeze passed me in the in the alleyway below. And I never ran so fast in all my life. Because there should be no breeze in an area that's no breeze, almost no entombed. Breeze and this is a nice cold breeze now, like. Ice cold. Ice cold breeze. Like, me. like as if it's a spirit passing you by or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or something definitely passed me, like. Because there's no wind, there's no air to get in there or anything, like. You'd understand no, no, no. noise, wouldn't you, in an old building that's always shifting? Well, you would, yeah, because you do. You hear, but uh, you'd have things going through your head as well, like you know. Yeah. You know, the time then there was a woman came over, came, she came back from Australia on a holiday, but she lived in the house when she was four, five years of age, and they used to have the dog, but the dog fell off the roof, and was killed. Yeah. And, you know, you, you get someone talking to you that was, she lived in the house. That's right, yeah, yeah. This is amazing. Say, we were there one night, say, and there was another chap with me in the bar. Say, we had the dog injured. We went through every room, every nook and cranny, because our first brave when you're so much, you like. Yeah. And we went along the perimeter of the house. We could hear the dog crying as if we'd have to be knocked on my car. And when she, she told me that, like my head went spare, like what the hair I had made was standing, like you know, because it was a and dog that was that was in pain somewhere in and around in, the house, in pain, injured somewhere. We thought he was in the house. We went through the whole house, found nothing. We went around the side of the house with flashlights, everything. Yeah, went back into the house. We could hear it. And this woman, oh, she was standing the other time because she wanted to see the house before. Before to sold by the club. Was she heartbroken when she? I mean, she went around what would have been her family home. Did that upset her to see the state it was in? Yeah, but like she, she saw it before. 
she died, she saw it before, before it was sold. You know, she didn't see it after that, or the fire, that, you know, but she's in her 70s that time, like. Before the ceiling started to kind of sag and yeah, all of the damp yeah, got in. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, I know. yeah, yeah, she was, you know, she was upset about her, all right, like, but she just wanted to see the place. But did you always feel when you were caretaker there and you've been in that you would have been in the house day and night on your own, certainly at the yeah, darker uh, winter, did you always feel you weren't alone? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I actually stayed there one night. What was that like? I actually stayed there just to prove it that I couldn't last. <laughs> did you last the night? I did, I did, yeah. I did. Well, we had more cross on us when there was trucks and vans out in there on the car park and everything. But I actually stayed in the house. I actually stayed in the house and, you know, it's it's hairy. There's something there, like, but but uh, I just never believed in things like that. And my own parents told me about certain things, like, you know. Uh, connected to the house, was it? No, I'm not connected. I was connected with something else, like, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, notice the hairy, there's something there, there's, you could always feel that presence as if there was someone watching you, you know. It's sad, it's sad that it's no longer there and, you know, it would have been great opportunities I mean, to do something about it when the time was right, but yeah, opportunities I mean, I mean this, this book, this book now I have, is from uh, the Tooth House in Australia. I went there when I got it and I see part of a wall that he had a the house there so Henry is you know he built a replica of Vernamont didn't he out in Australia I mean, he was a yeah he done it he tried to do a kind of replica like but that was knocked down eventually and then the existing building was added on and added on you know but uh, in in the book I got out there his photograph is on it he was a fine looking fellow in his day alright <laughs> he certainly left his legacy behind he certainly did oh he did yeah, yeah um, listen yeah. as soon as as soon as this, all this is over and it's okay to do so we'll we'll hook up again for a coffee or something like that right yeah yeah no but no but all look no, after yourself Willie no but you'd always get people say that like about Brother Monk they'd be always hairy things you know yes uh, yeah yeah. Covered a yeah, lot of ground this morning, including the teenagers drinking. That's a shame that they're so bloody oh, young. It's just heartbreaking. Just All right, Willie, look after party. yourself. Take care, pal. Oh, Mind yourself. Talk to you. Cheers. Talk to you. Neil. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. I remember the thing I gave you on the before. Oh, absolutely. We have to do a swap on that. Well, we yeah. need to. We well, need what to. I'm saying to you, you get all the information. That's the gene- that. There's a genealogical tree that you gave me. That's safe. Don't worry about yeah, that. That yeah, is safe. Yeah, yeah. But you, yeah if, you, you, if you read that again, you'll see uh, Captain Bly's name is there. That visited Vermont of the HMS Mountain. That's all in that as well. Did Bly visit Cork and go to Vermont? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll have another closer look. It's in pencil, so it's very, very faint. It's very hard to read because yeah. it got faded from the wall. Yeah, I know. Okay, all right. And I think there were brewers as well. We'll chat again. Yeah. Mind yourself, Willie. He's a mountain. Right, he's just a, he's just a take care. He's an absolute what? treasure chest of information, not just about Vernon, but in Cork, about Cork in general. Lines open at one 850 106 Text 0868-104-106. That's Willie. He's the caretaker. Still is, for what's left of it, Vernon Mount House. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. And a big response from last week's program, particularly about the pedestrianisation of... Uh, 
like 17 different streets and probably more to come you know with the summer in mind and outside dining and things like that and outside having a couple of drinks as well as uh, cafes and pubs and, and restaurants if this is done right it could be magnificent like dining in France or Italy a very romantic and relaxing ambiance to Shiona I can't wait to spend my money in the pubs and restaurants again and to meet my friends or just to be among people in general but at the same time I hope we will have the choice to go inside or outside whether just to have a drink or eat and certainly with no more time limits I think we've all been restricted enough in the last year or more and it's time to be able to relax and enjoy life again that will that will happen incidentally but it'll be outdoors before it'll be indoors fantastic news about the streets uh, they probably have perspex roofs on too um, well Probably down the track, they may have canopies. It's incredibly positive for a lovely city. When is this going to happen, I wonder? Well, they're starting work on some of those streets today. Hopefully, it'll catch on in our lovely towns also, says Marie. One in five restaurants will benefit from outdoor dining. One in five. We don't have the weather full stop. Morning, another wild dream from the council. You can't sit down on a bench in the city now without some person coming up annoying and looking for money. I was in town two weeks ago. I saw heroin being injected openly. By about six people, my son asked me, what were they up to? The last time I saw scenes like this was in Glasgow in 98. A lot of people then on accessibility regarding parking. Do people know that Paul Street offers two free hours at certain times? There's plenty of time to come into the city, look around or have lunch. We do need more park and ride options, though, on all sides of the city. And just two or three more. What Cork needs is a Lewis-style transport to supply the city with people. It could operate from the railway station into the city centre all the way to Ballincolleg and a railway station in Mahan. And those that don't use the buses could use a Lewis system instead. Uh, I wholeheartedly agree with the people on air talking about wheelchair access- accessibility. I have a strapping 18-year-old son also who have had to stop going to a lot of places. Um, no one thinks of disabled people uh, having to use uh, pavements. I find myself having to bring him out onto the road and almost get knocked down in my local town due to crap footpaths. I think actually what you're saying is your son's in a wheelchair. To add to all of that, the cars are parked on pavements more and more now. It's awful because my child thrives on meeting people or just going around our city. I find it extremely limiting as we can go now. Um, Morning, what was said by the publican, uh, this would be Paul Montgomery, would not work in rural Ireland. Imagine dining out in a bar or restaurant overlooking overlooking the sea. The weather wouldn't be suitable because it would be too windy. (laughs) Well, it might be suitable on a day when it wasn't windy. Uh, Cork has been prepped to be nothing more than a sterile campus for multinationals. It's being stripped of its culture, its history and its tradition. Cork will become nothing more than a homogenized clone of every other glass and steel monstrosity. To the altar of profits and progressiveness, we have sacrificed Cork's soul and cast her on the scrap heap of history, her people, her customs, her way of life. If Clancy's and other establishments are willing to promote a two-tier society with the injected allowed indoors and the uninjected cast out on the streets, why on earth would the rest of us support these establishments financially? Uh, what else is a city if not for businesses, you said, Neil? I can't believe that you said that. I'm as capitalist as the next guy, but an historical city such as Cork must be more than a location for profit. Our city must be a social and cultural epicenter for her people. Uh, says Richie, and we are a city with unique culture, rich history and Corkonian's traditions. If I could just use that as a segue intro, actually, because um, you go into the city and then within a couple of kilometers of the city, if you were to draw a big circle around it, 
the amount of dereliction is just an absolute disgrace. Frank O'Connor and Jude Sherry are urban design consultants and they're co-founders of Anish.org. And they, and I've been looking at their work over the weekend and the back end of last week, they've been doing incredible work online, highlighting the frightening amount of derelict buildings, the dereliction in Cork City. I want to talk to them first on, on both of that, but I want to talk to Jude first, if you don't mind. Jude, good morning. Good morning, Neil. So, what, what I saw was, within a two, pick up the story, within a two kilometre of the city centre, what did you find? So we found, a, as you said, a, an enormous amount of dereliction, an enormous amount of derelict buildings. Um, we found, in total, we identified 340 under, and then we done a study, a detailed study of those 340 properties. Now, there is more than that. So that's not a comprehensive number. But also, we only looked at two kilometres because it's where we live. So we, when we were in, we live in the city centre. Um, so when we originally went into lockdown this time last year, we were stuck to the two kilometres. So that's, I suppose, a focus of why we went on that now. Their election will, I'm guessing, be across the whole city boundary as well. And it's across the whole of Ireland. So it's not just a Cork issue. It's not just a Cork City issue. But I'm from Dublin and dereliction is a massive problem in Dublin as well. So it's a it's a Irish wide problem in that, in that regard. So you then put up photograph after photograph after photograph of many of those properties and buildings, didn't you? Because I saw them. Yeah, yeah. So Frank started last June um, putting up every day, putting up another picture of another building that we've come across. So we've. We've, yeah, every day since since last June, we've been putting up a photograph and it doesn't seem like the first month, the first two months, the first three months, we were like, oh, this is going to end soon because we're going to run out of buildings. And it just keeps going and going on. And every time we think we're going, that's the end of it. We Now we've collected all the derelict buildings or identified them all. We still have a whole collection of photographs still to go on. So Yeah, let, let, let Frank jump in on this. Morning, Frank. Morning, morning, Neil. How would you, how would you do? How did you do this? Did you take a particular area of the city or suburbs close to the city and just work your way through them one by one? Was it? Yeah, well, I suppose what how it started initially is we sort of um, we, we came back to Cork uh, late twenty eighteen, and uh, I suppose part of our work uh, we we map cities, we walk cities, and then we kind of mix our work, I suppose, with our pleasures. So we started walking Cork like from day one, walking down all the laneways, the cul-de-sacs, different parts of the city. And I suppose we were struck by the beauty of the landscape and the beauty of the city, the architecture and the heritage. But we were also taken aback by the dereliction and also the homelessness. So we sort of wondered, could we make a contribution to, 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 to this? So we basically started to, to photograph as we went along. I started to have conversations with people and started to record what we were seeing. So really, it was very much, I suppose, two kilometres was based on the ID that we were interested in um, sort of a 15-minute city, the idea that everyone can walk or cycle or get public transport, all the, all the means they need. So we kind of kept within that two kilometres around the idea of a 15-minute city. Okay, so um, so and, and, and it gathered one day, uh, you posted a photograph, and then the next day and so on until there are at least yeah, 300. Well, are they residential? Are they commercial? Are they um, above the business or what? Or mix of all yeah. the above, is it? They're a mix. Well, we haven't actually gone above business as such. We've, we've stuck with full properties in their own right, but they're a mixture of 
places for homes, for, for work, you know, like I said, no opportunities for, for, for culture as well. So, yeah, full buildings, but basically, yeah, apply to homes, work, or, or play likewise as well. So we have a kind of a model we, we use called Rest, Play, Walk, and the idea is we think everyone should have a home, everyone should have somewhere to play, and so everyone should have access to walk. So that was the kind of model we were applying. And yeah, we were kind of documenting for over a year, I suppose a year and a half, before we started sharing. And I suppose we just started sharing, like you said, our last June. And um, I suppose we didn't know, we don't know that many people in Cork, because we just moved back here. So we actually started sharing, and then we we realised that people were interested in the conversations generated from that and I suppose it's taken off from there really so many people seem to want things to change and, we, and I suppose June now because we're new to the culture we're also been trying to understand okay we're originally from Ireland but I was away for over 20 years and June was away for a few decades as well so we were coming back and I suppose we were bringing our ideas from abroad, what, what inspired us, what we saw, our, I suppose our learnings from working all over the world. And we think, well, Cork's got so much potential. I mean, and, and I suppose that's what we felt like. We, we, we look at resources and we felt there's so much untapped resources in Cork. And, and so Okay, and, and Jude, some of them look as if they've been derelict for a long, long time, don't they? Yeah, yeah, we've been able to go through um, Google Maps has been a great resource for us on the street view because you can go all the way back to 2009 and see what the streets were and like. And you then. did some comparisons of one or two. They look like, like oh, I think they're cottages, aren't they? Yeah. Certainly, so with, certainly within stone's throw of the city. And you can see how it was and then a photograph of it three or four later, years later where it's just destroyed. Yeah, so as you say, a lot of them are derelict for a long time, and so they're they're much easier to see. But it's the ones that have gone from being family homes that have swings outside them, that have cars parked, and that have people have taken care of their gardens, that have gone and then over like a, a five year, ten year period can decay quite quickly, especially old buildings if there's nobody living in them, and keeping up that daily maintenance, making sure a plant or a tree doesn't grow out of it. Um, they can decay very, very quickly. The roof starts to sag and collapse. And, they, and then you could have a terrace of houses, like a long terrace of homes, where left and right of the derelict building, they're perfect and lived in. And between them, there's this building that has just been locked up as if nobody cared. Do you, did, did you manage to find out who owns the properties and the reasons why they're just sitting there? No, no, we haven't. Well, we haven't looked into necessarily. We haven't been able to find any owners to talk to in that regard. But 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 um, a lot of them are owned by city council. Others are owned by the HSE. Some are owned by UCC. Some are. So some of the more bigger commercial um, or the city centre ones, right in the city Ireland. Yeah, they they are owned by our, our I suppose our publicly funded institutes, which is quite surprising to see, especially the ones by the HSE there. Um, at the MUH hospital, it's quite shocking to see that buildings have been left go decay that have planned for demolition 10, 20 years ago and instead of, of being redeveloped, they've been just left there to decay for a long time. And so to, Frank, I mean, jump, jump in if you wish, but why would somebody who owns a property sit on it and allow it to go derelict? Is it, is it, is it for money? I explain that rationale. I suppose yeah. it's a whole... Yeah, sorry, I'll, I'll talk here. There's a whole multitude of reasons, but there was an interesting study in 2019 on um, town centre living initiative, and that that said, even though there's a whole array of reasons of why why buildings end up in that state, there really is just little to discourage owners uh, to hold on to property. But there are so fines, aren't there? Easier option. Sorry, there are fines. There are fines, but then that that brings up are the fines being enforced? 
there's compulsory purchase orders. There are, there are. So there are a multitude. There's a dereliction act, and there's a multitude of avenues under that. That under there's three different main avenues under that that the uh, councillors can use, or the council, sorry, Cork City Council can use then to tackle dereliction. And I suppose that's one of the areas we were looking at is because we work a lot with policymakers. One of the areas we were looking at was there's laws in place. Are those being enforced? If they're not being enforced, what are the challenges around that and wider reasons are they not being tackled? So that's, I suppose, a wider issue we looked at. And so we put together 10 myths of their election to tackle some of those, some of those issues. So you counted 340 derelict properties within a two kilometre stretch or circumference of, of Cork City. And at the same time, we are building apartments in Cork City and we are building hotels in Cork City and we're building office blocks in Cork City. It just doesn't make sense, does it? Well, I suppose I suppose what we're interested in on that basis is, is like the economy. And if, if you look at the idea that if you have these existing buildings there at the moment, the most sustainable and the most cost-effective building is the existing ones. And if we have people who need homes at the moment, if we focused on transforming the existing properties into homes for everyone, so if you bring people back into the city, that would have a massive positive effect on the economy. And also if you kind of reinvested in heritage as well, and it's been shown internationally that, that cities who value their heritage and restore it, it becomes a huge attraction for tourism globally. And Cork has so much interest. And you mentioned this early on in your show about the, some of the, the ones who, who, who rang in and wrote in. Cork has so much interesting architecture. It's very, very significant. And so you start valuing your heritage, you start providing homes for everyone, and suddenly the economy starts to regenerate. You get a lot more localised people living near shops, cafes, people start to spend money on businesses and it, and it creates a wonderful local economy and I think uh, I suppose that's our particular interest I mean you know we're not saying that there's not a need for hotels and new builds but I think what you have to look at is the core historic centre and say look let's value that let's bring those houses back to life let's provide homes and that will have a huge knock on effect and then the other stuff could follow and maybe that's some of the other stuff actually happens maybe further out maybe in the docklands and stuff you know but but I guess for us, because we come very much from the perspective that if the building exists already, we should really look at whatever way possible to, to bring that back to life. You know? And that has been shown internationally to be the best approach. In fact, there was a recent award, an international award given to designers who've done that since it's been shown that it makes sense cost-wise, heritage-wise and economy-wise as well. I just looking at the photographs, um, uh, and there are hundreds of them, as I say, and people can go through them themselves on, on certainly on your Twitter page. Do you touch it all on above the shop? You know, we have a lot of shops in our city. Unfortunately, many of them are closed, but above them would it be floor after floor that has just been abandoned. I, I guess somebody was saying recently that somebody that might own one of those buildings just wants to maximize the retail space on the ground floor. And they're not interested in people living above the shop because it would be too expensive to renovate them or too expensive to put in fire escapes. Talk to me about that. Because there are, there must be thousands of those that could be apartments. Indeed, there, yeah, there's massive opportunity. I think there has definitely been studies already on Cork City and what the potential is above the shop and addressing those different challenges. Um, Would that be Patrick like, Street, Grand Parade, North Main Street, South Main Street, George's Key, places like that? Well, there's some great examples on, on North Main Street of both Brad, Bradley Shop that have renovated a number of years ago. They they built apartments over above the shop, so it's great when you're walking around the city 
being able to see people live, listen, hear the noises of people living on the streets in the evenings and at nighttime really makes the city a much safer sense around the city, a safer feel to the city. So, but it's not something we haven't looked at above shops. We've looked at just full buildings, so full directly buildings. And most of the buildings we've looked at, so for instance, yesterday I put up a whole collage of over 150 homes, just simple homes, one story, two story homes that no regulation, building regulations would, would uh, be a barrier to uh, renovating. So we bought a 200 year old home in Cork. Uh, we have to do a huge retrofit. We have to put a new roof on it. We've put a new roof on it. We have to do dig up the floor, put down a new concrete floors. We need new windows. We need a whole new heating system. So we have to do most of the work that most of these buildings would have to go through. And we know it's there's the building regulations from going through ourselves, yeah. building regulations and talking to experts. It's not a barrier for us. Now, there are other barriers. Um, what we would hope that the council would bring in would be something like a one-stop shop. So a uh, uh, a department or a team that you can go to in the council, so for owners who own bigger buildings or buildings with a bulb shop, that they can go to the council, they can talk to the fire regulator, fire officer, they can talk to the conservation officer, they can talk to the planner, they can talk to all the people at once instead of, we've heard of uh, people getting multiple advice or con- conflicting advice from different departments, so we, we would love the council to bring a, a one-stop shop, a one, one team that you can go to and for, for owners then to get all that detailed information and all that support. Do you think that a lot of those properties, those derelict homes, could be repossessed by the banks and it's the banks are sitting on them? You know, you might have people who overstretched, got into debt, banks took them back. That and, well, yeah, and maybe absentee I mean, landlords who were over... Go on, yeah. Yeah, that could be the case, but it wouldn't make sense for a bank to sit on property then. They would want to release that asset as quickly as possible and get the cash in. And at the moment, the, with the extreme shortages of, of houses on the market and the extreme demand we have for housing, there's no better time to, to sell property. So I couldn't see the logic, not to say it isn't happening, I don't know, but I couldn't see the logic of a bank uh, sitting on, on assets, a very, very valuable asset like this at the moment. But you didn't you say that this is not exclusive to Cork and didn't Frank say no. that Dublin is as bad? And you also said recently that there are more vacant houses in Limerick than there are people homeless in Limerick. Yeah, that's, that, that's an article I, that was, didn't come from me, but there's an article indeed uh, yesterday or today on the papers saying that there's more houses empty homes. We have, a, in the last census in 2016, there was 180,000 empty homes across Ireland. So that's, we've just looked at dereliction because dereliction is very easy to see. Vacancy, of course, is, is much harder to see. But that see. figure must be and, wrong and if you found 340 within two kilometres of Cork City. I mean, if you were to throw the net out 10 kilometres or 20 kilometres, mm. could be a thousand or more. Could be, exactly, exactly. There could be, according to the CSO, there's four, between four and 5,000 empty properties in the city. And that's not including upstairs living. That's and, just empty residential properties. And yet we have 7,172 families on the city and county housing list. Exactly. Each one of those could be homed quite quickly, or at least the vast majority of them could be homed quite quickly. What's yeah. your vision for the, for the city going forward, Frank? I see on your website you talk... Of, of the possibility that the old tax office on Sullivan's Quay should not be built upon, but should be transformed into a city playground. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that's just one of the spaces that you and I have been, been reimagining. But yeah, I mean, that offers a wonderful opportunity, Neil. I mean, we've all been looking at the holding there for a number of years now. And 
the city centre itself, the centre island, which is kind of where we started with our study, moved within two kilometres of that. City centre island lacks play spaces, green spaces, places for, for families to have fun and, and all of us just to relax and chill out. So I think, yeah, we, we think that would be wonderful to reimagine that, you know, as a combination for play, for art, for culture. And that should be just one of another space in the city. But you definitely, I mean, there's a thing called Meanwhile Youth, which is applied in a lot of other countries, where a site like that or a particular building is taken over for a period of time and, I suppose, transformed into a different use. And then, depending how successful that is, maybe that becomes a long-term use. And it's not just, obviously, that site itself. I mean, there's other buildings that we've been looking at, for example, the Butter Exchange, and I know that's been discussed a lot. Why, in the name of God, is that still in that condition all these years later? Oh, it's so sad. I mean, we've been fortunate enough to do it as part of our research. We've connected with people and we've had a few tours at the inside, and it's wonderful. It gives you a really strange feeling when you go in now to see all those old workshops just left there, discarded and stuff, and it's got so much potential, and we'd like to see that, for example, make it the arts culture again, but we like the idea of taking on the whole food idea I mean that was that that was such a food. I mean, for, in terms of the economy, in terms of butter and stuff, such a huge thing in terms of Irish history. And we'd like to look at some of the Boris changes. They could that be the future of food in terms of sustainability, organic, local, and and give people like local businesses an opportunity to create, to innovate, and stuff. And it is. I mean, it is. We live near there. We live just at the edge of Shannon and Blackpool, and we walk past that most days. And it does make us very sad you know, to see it because I'm sure that loads of creatives and entrepreneurs in Cork could do something really, really good with us. You know, and it's there, been empty now so long. There was a text there earlier on from somebody who says they don't come into the city because anytime they do, they don't feel safe. They get plagued by people looking for money. They see people openly shooting up heroin. Unfortunately, the Mary Elms Bridge now has been taken over by people who are down on their luck and have, have nowhere to go. And many of them have addiction issues. Surely that would have to be tackled first before you'd be encouraging families to rear children in the city. Well, I think it's, they're a knock-on effect. It's been shown internationally. There's a knock-on effect to dereliction and decay. You know, if the city is left to decay and if there's lots of dereliction, then obviously it feels a lot less safe, you know. And uh, so straight away, I think we have to start attacking dereliction. I, I mean, I can see that those issues will creep around it. But if you, no one's going to invest in a city if you're if you're surrounded by derelict properties, and you mentioned early on there about, would say, some estates, for example, you might have two homes lived in and three or four other homes in the same street, but you're empty. I mean, that must be terrible for people from a well-being and a quality of life perspective, and and from a safety point of view. So, yes, I can understand people would be nervous about coming in, but obviously, if we start tackling seriously the dereliction and the decay and investment, in I think it would be, it could be a wonderful future. Okay, do you want to jump in on that, Jude? Yeah, I suppose just on the overall, if we started tackling the the widespread inequality we have in Ireland, if we started ensuring people actually had secure homes and tackling some of the causes of things like addiction, which are they're caused by the environment we live in and by the inequality and insecurities we have in our in our society. So if we address some of those, a lot of those problems that we we find on the streets of our cities and towns would actually start to disappear if we had safer places for people if everyone had access to a home so that that would that's a wider societal challenge that we have to address did you say the cork city council could raise 2.1 million euro annually on the 95 properties on its derelict site how, how is that in fines or that's in fine. So every property on the derelict li- register it can be fined up to 7 7% of its value of its market value and do you know whether or not they're actually collecting those fines or even handing them out for all of these properties? Well, like none of I the don't photographs know how many have. Like that, that w- would, that, that's, I'd love to know. 
Okay, like all of your photographs, they don't have for sale signs on them, so they don't. No, some. So initially, we didn't put up properties that were for sale. We tried. So when we first moved back to Ireland, um, we were looking in 2017. We were looking for property, and I rang up pretty much every house because we wanted to live within 15 minutes walk to the uh, English market. So I rang up nearly every property for sale. We were coming back over months and months, and then we we're trying to get viewings. And it was impossible to get viewings for houses that were still sitting on the market for months afterwards or still still apparently for sale at the moment. So it, properties can look like they're for sale, but going through the sales pro- process and even then the, the sales process for property in Ireland can be a nightmare as well. So that's there are definitely... Uh, mm. Some are selling, so we've, I had a look through all the sa- all the publicly sales available information on um, on properties, and only nine percent of the properties we found have actually sold since two thousand and thirteen. So there's a, there's very low sales of, of. And then you have enormous buildings. I mean, there's one out on the on the road out to Blackpool, which for year, years and years and years ago was the Blood Bank, for instance, and it's just sat there for like I don't know thirty, forty years, and then on, you know that that would be. I mean, maybe that might be commercial. It could be given over to theatre or arts or, or drama. I don't know. But it just, just sits yeah, there. Yeah, like from living in the Netherlands, I lived in an area in Amsterdam in the east of the city. When I moved there in 2007, all the big, uh, all the newspapers were based there. So all the, the big news, national newspapers were there and they moved out in 2007. They moved out of the city. And they left, instead of leaving all the buildings empty, they were set to demolish them and redevelop, but then the crash happened. And instead of leaving them empty, they actually got artists and creatives. They got pop-up restaurants, they got nightclubs, they got uh, music venues, they got artist studios. So they had a whole array of activities going on them. And they've all been brought back into use as creative hotels, as swimming pools, as schools, as in, as in homes. So when in a very small stretch of a uh, of a of a road just around the corner from where I used to live, all those buildings that would have been left empty, left to decay, have actually they were they were all very similar to the tax office on Sullivan's Key. They would they were all then used, and because they were used, they were maintained, and it was much cheaper then to renovate them again into further uses because they were their use was maintained. So what's your what's your message, Frank? Uh, how, how do you how do you do you think that if there's a will, there's a way? Clearly, um, how would you see the city? I ask it an awful lot of people like this question. Say in ten years' time, what, what in your mind's eye? How how would you see it? Well, I mean, I suppose we are. I suppose on a tipping point at the moment. I suppose, and that's why Jude and I are, are doing this this walk. You know, we think the city has an amazing potential, but obviously, unless we grab it now, you know, we're going to lose out. And I'd like to think and in 10 years' time that, um, you know, we'd have a much more family-friendly city, much more livable, much more safe. As you say, when families return to Cork City, we replace the sound of cars with the sound of children playing. Is 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 that what you see in your mind's eye? Yeah, well, that's what, that's what, yeah, that's what we, we want, really. We would be amazing, you know. I mean, it would be amazing to have families back, to have all the streets like North Main Street and South Main Street, families living there, loads of local businesses, lots of play spaces, and, and a city that, that Corkonians love, and also people from all over the world want to come and visit, and we believe that can that can happen. We, we truly do, you know. We truly believe there's an amazing potential in Cork City, and I think people probably just don't realise how amazing the city. I know Cork people are very proud of Cork, but also there's an element, you know, if unless we transform the direction in decay, you know, it's, it's we're not going to realise that that global potential. And for us, 
that historic core, bringing families back in, making it livable and making it, like you say, Neil, safe for, for, for people to walk at night, you know, that will make such such a difference, you know. And I think for us, I suppose, maximising the potential of the old historic core and the heritage and, and, and obviously the buildings and stuff, and also around that, then of course bringing in the new design, modern stuff as well, moving out into the old industrial areas. You can do both, you know. I mean, you know, for us, you, the, the old has a, has a key role to play, but also the new, you know. And it's how you get that balance right. And I know you you speak about that in your program quite a lot. You know, how do we get that balance right? And, it's, and of course, it's not easy. But other countries have managed to do it. And I think Cork is so much more unique and significant than any other city in Ireland. Absolutely, we've got stuff in Cork that other cities would love to have. And I think, you know, maybe we're just trying to, I suppose, understand how we can get the message out to people, how we can get more people on board. And if this is what, also, this is what you and I would like. But maybe, you know, we need to, I suppose, what do people across themselves want, you know? What do they want their city to be? Okay, well, Jude, one of the changes that we've seen, and it happened quite rapid, it took COVID to do it, is the pedestrianisation of many of our city streets. It starts this morning. We're looking at 17, probably more. Is that a step in the right direction where people will be able to, you know, these are pedestrianised streets where you can have lunch or a drink or a coffee or meet friends or not having, yeah. you know, I mean, there's a downside to it and there's a pushback at the moment now from people who want who want to be able to park, you know? I mean, well, what, I do, what do you make of that? People need to be able to get into the city and they need to be able to find parking spaces, but there's plenty of parking spaces. If you take the North, North Main Street parking uh, building, the, this multi-storey parking building. That's so you think the pedestrianisation, it's a step in the right direction, is it? Absolutely. We need to have our city safe for us to walk in. So at the moment, if we're walking around Cork City, the footpaths are tiny. So in order to have that social distance between people, we need to step out onto the streets. And unfortunately, at the moment, there's a lot of speeding cars around the city. So to be able to make, especially around retail and around cafes, to make that as safe as possible so families don't have to worry about letting their kids off their hand. They they don't have to worry about cars coming up beside their children. So a lot of people love going into uh, shopping malls, for instance, like uh, at Madden Point, because there's no cars inside there. You can hear things. There's no there's no noise of cars, so you're able to talk. To they're people. also down so there not but feeling in the city would the, be amazing. But they're not also also they go down to Madden Point and they're not watching the time for the cost of the parking outside there because it's free. Whereas they come into the city to spend money, and they also know that the clock is ticking in the multi-story at at three euro an hour, for instance. Well, they had a lot of free parking, I think, last year in the in around the city to encourage people in. But what we would love to see, and what the city has implemented as well, is a lot of cycling routes. So people, can, and there's a lot of family cycling out at the moment as well. So then you don't have to worry about time at all when you cycle. For those who live within a say a five kilometer radius of the city, if we could all cycle in then those who can, those who are able to cycle in, that would free up a lot of space on the roads and in the parking spaces for other people as well. Okay, I would encourage people to look at your Twitter page because all of the photographs of the derelict businesses and buildings and homes are there. But you also give um, a very, very good advice as to what those buildings could be used for. It's not as if you just put the photograph up. You say, well, this house could be, this business could be, this terrace could be. I think, you know, it's, it's positive in that regard. So in fairness, well done for that. So the, Thank you. So the Twitter page is at Anish Agency, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, that's the Twitter page. Or at Frank underscore O'Connor. 
or at you, Cherry. Okay. Or, well. or if they just want to get onto my Twitter pages, it's quite simple. It's just my name, and we can link over to yours then. And we, have, and we have that up already. So continued success. Maybe Thank you know. You maybe your crusade will make a difference. It certainly is there to highlight how things could be a hell of an awful lot better. Cheers, Frank. Cheers, Jude. Take thanks, care. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Thanks, All the best. Jude Sherry and Dr. Frank O'Connor. Back after 11 on 1850-104-106. I may have a response actually from City Council, so I'll pick it up after 11. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. Actually got a response from Cork City Council from the comms department down there and thank you for it. And really, it does... I mean, it's a quite lengthy response with regards to derelict sites and trying to get a handle on the amount of property that is derelict and who owns what. And from the email that I got, it it really does seem like a nightmare. You wouldn't even know where to begin. Uh, There's no simple solution, Cork City Council said, to dereliction in cities and towns. There is a painstaking ongoing engagement with owners. It involves legal teams, auctioneers, extended families, receivers, sometimes housing bodies, and potential developers to progress the sites. Uh, quite regularly in Cork, there's uncertainty about the title of the property or who owns the derelict site. City Council tell me that if they can't identify the owner, uh, how do they get a solution? Uh, everything is prolonged and slowed down. Um, if they start a CPO process and an, and an owner emerges then, that can lead and has led in the past to litigation and further delays. So you can see... It's a head rack, you, you know, they're saying it's, they're not saying that, they're my words. But there are a lot of complexities, they say, that can frustrate the solution. Probate, title can be a problem with a lot of Cork City properties. And that can hinder even the owner from selling the site. Title issues, there could be multiple owners, sites in receivership, there could be ongoing legal disputes. None of these are insurmountable, they say, but they can't be resolved quickly. Um, then trying to collect levies on derelict sites also can be problematic. Um, that the owners themselves could be experiencing financial problems, difficult to get money. And I mean, sometimes owners don't engage when they're contacted by the local authority. Uh, and then you have long, t- lengthy legislative procedures and then people have a right to appeal uh, and it just goes on and on and on. So that's just a broad outline of a much longer email that I got in from the communications department at uh, Cork City Council. Thank you for that, Claire. I-, I did find, though, an article from the examiner last year and it was the start of last year before COVID came along and what have you. And they were saying that... Two million euro worth of fines were to be issued by Cork City Council to the owners of vacant sites in the first quarter of last year alone. Now, whether they were issued, whether anything was collected from them, I just do not know. But of the two million that was being issued by Cork City Council, they were issuing 560,000 fines to themselves. Because of the two million, the local authority were liable for half a million themselves on sites which they own, with a combined value of eight million. (laughs) So they'd be finding themselves. It's impossible to find out exactly how many fines were issued last year or the year before. I know the legislation was beefed up and it's impossible to find out how much money was actually conducted at all. I will keep on trying. We will keep on trying. But as, um, as, as the lads were saying to me a while ago, um, 
they don't have the figure either. So it's impossible to say at this point in time. So I will come back and visit that again. A lot of text coming in on dereliction and the and the state of our city and how people think it could be in the next five or ten years. And I'll come back to all of that as well. Text 0868104106. The Neil Prenderville Show. We all know the story of Fungi. One minute he was there and was for many years since the early 80s in Dingle. And then he disappeared. Who knows where Fungi went? We do not know. But over the weekend... Um, I've started to see a story develop that Fungi was spotted off the West Cork coast. Uh, he left Dingle in November and nobody knows. But could he be down around the old head of Kinsale? Could he have taken up residency in Kinsale Harbour? Um, I don't know. Um, it's a playful dolphin, whoever it is down that way. But Orca Ireland, the Cork organization, Orca Ireland, are across this story, certainly online. And they've got all sorts of campaigns, including Find Fungi. Emer joins me from the, uh, the organization Orca Ireland. Emer, good morning. Are you down west, incidentally? Hi, hi Neil. How are you keeping? Good. No, we're, we're actually in Munster Technological University here in Cork City. All right. Okay. So is... Yeah, but we, we would work a lot in West Cork as well. That's primarily with whales, I guess, but dolphins too? Dolphins too, yeah. So our Observers Act is a citizen science tool that allows members of the public to record a range of different marine wildlife. Um, so that includes seals, dolphins, whales, sharks, um, seabirds. Um, and the whole a whole plethora of species. Okay. Um, but but this was quite exciting because um, but it's also a very sensitive subject as well. So I mean, as we know, Fungi is a very much loved member of the Dingle community. Um, so when Orca got a report to the observers app about a possible observation of Fungi in Cork, we did set out to investigate this further. So um, the bottlenose dolphin now that was seen in Kinsale was first observed five days ago and he spent up to two hours with Mike. And then two days ago, the same dolphin was seen 30 miles south of Old Head of Kinsale. And now we've had a third observation reported to the observers app of the same dolphin that spent three hours with Jasper. And um, so we're at the moment, we're just looking through all the video footage and the images and, and we're trying to work out an ID. So what I, all, all I know is that new footage has emerged of a bottlenose dolphin interacting with boats off the old head of Kinsale. That's exactly the kind of thing Fungi did. I mean, have you managed to look at the, the dolphin? Is there similarities? We, with we, we did. So, so the thing about Fungi is his, his identifying um, feature is actually his tail fluke. So unlike... His um, what? His tail what? His, his tail fluke. So his, his left tail fluke has, has a notch in it. And this is a very um, identifying key feature um, of this individual. So what we have done is we've actually looked at screenshots um, from the videos of the dolphin that we've seen in Kinsale and we've compared them. But the images were very blurry, so they were very unclear and not, it wasn't too concise. So we've also looked at facial recognition as well. And this is a new method, actually, in cetacean research. Um, and it was actually pioneered by a researcher called Till and Genoff. But what we found is that um, it looks at the um, ventral side of the dolphin's rostrum, which is essentially his cheeks, are much whiter in the in the Kinsale dolphin. So it's not looking like it's a match, but it's very, very interesting that it's exhibiting these very similar behaviours. But well, hold on a second. You say you've done, use facial recognition technology like CSI to compare the well, facial recognition manual now just with just with the eye and with the help of with the help of uh, fellow colleagues but um, but is that leading you to believe that it isn't fungi 
at the moment we're just trying to appeal to the public really and get more images so all of these images are stills from videos and um, it really just highlights the importance of using the observers app to let us know what their people are seeing at sea and we can compare these and we can investigate further um, at the moment it's not looking like it's the same individual but again we need more images we need more videos okay and the and reason for that is like, it's blurry the photograph that you have of the Kinsale dolphin it's blurry but what are the what are the differences did you say whiter is it whiter around the face is it the cheeks it's it's both the flukes the tail flukes and it's the face face as well there seems to be differences the more we look at the images um you know we're getting more verification that it might not be fungi at all but it's really good that we have actually investigated this and it is our responsibility you know and we're getting these reports into the observers app we have to find out what's going on so we were lucky that Sheila Stokes provided us with an ID image of fungi's flukes and that, um, you know, had a clear and um, definite notch in its left tail fluke. So until we get very clear images of its tail fluke, I don't think anyone can be conclusive. But at the moment, it's not looking like it's the same animal. Okay. But it is exhibiting similar behaviours. So I think that it, it, it's very interesting and, you know, um, the more we're learning through the observers app, the more reports we're getting of solitary dolphins. So um, we had a report of Nimmo the dolphin as well from Galway Pier only a few days ago. And it's really interesting because Ireland has actually had a few solitary dolphin, dolphins around the Irish coast, like Clay, Nimmo, and, and Fungi was just the most famous. Because so they're playful the anyway, dolphins. aren't they? they? They're very interactive dolphins, yeah? They are, yeah. They can be very interactive. But solitary dolphins aren't as common. You know, they're usually found in groups of right. 20 to 30 individuals. Yeah. So um, we actually have a group of bottlenose dolphins that come into Cork Harbour as well. And we're always on the lookout for those. So, um, you know, we don't know yet. We're still exploring um, what's happening. And we're just asking members of the public to help us do that. Um, but it's, it's a great... It's a great um, positive um, news story, you know, and the Find Fungi campaign really is about raising awareness and fungi is a mascot for all of these dolphins, you know. So um, we have amazing wildlife and we have amazing waters and it's really important that we learn about them and we protect them. Absolutely. Um, I've been alongside fungi on on many occasions uh, with the ribbon and what have you. And what always struck me about fungi was he's huge. You know, he's huge, huge, yeah, exactly. like a massive dolphin. And, and many, many people have looked at the videos and have said, "No, this dolphin is too small, small. to be fungi." Like yeah, he's incredible he's the size of him. You know, he's like shark. He's not. I mean, I don't know different sharks. I know, but like he's certainly the biggest dolphin that I've ever seen in the water. Anyway. Oh, he is. Yeah, he's he's quite a he's quite a robust animal. He is. So, I mean, at the moment now, there's I've, we've been looking into it. And if you look across the media um, over the past few months, like there's been a lot of, you know, false flags that um, has been seen. But we did have a responsibility to raise awareness that there was suspicions that it was Fungi just based on his behaviour. I understand. Um, and, we've looked, yeah. and, and we've looked into it, you know. Um, but it's great, really, because it's created a lot of interest. And I think everybody's really excited for the end of lockdown. Um, and, you know, maybe they can go look for fungi and they can help with the fine fungi. <laughs> People can head down Kinsale Harbour, down around the pier, out around the old head, bring a pair of binoculars. <laughs> bring a pair of binoculars, bring the kids out and, and, and go and explore and go learn about our wildlife, you know. Um, but do be conscious to keep a distance and not to be corralling the individuals also in nothing can fail and give them some space to. We will say that, but at the same time, it's brilliant. You know, we're delighted people are learning more about our wildlife every day. 
um, and it, it's um, it's all a step towards a positive um, I, outlook for Ireland's yeah. green contribution. Yeah, like Fungi would be certainly in his forties now, but dolphins can live longer than that, can't? You know, maybe into their fifties. Is it, do solitary dolphins just eventually just? disappear and go elsewhere I mean is do you think it's out of sorts for him to just leave Dingle after 40 years well I suppose that, that's the big mystery really isn't it um, I know that Fungi had showed up in 1983 you know and he was already a, a teenager that's the wow I'm wrong so he's so, late 40s so isn't he yeah so he yeah exactly and you know they only live till they're around 50 years old in the wild and um, you know obviously longer than in captivity but um you know, it's really the big mystery and, you know, there's a lot of people that really, really care about fungi and, and really, really, um, you know, are very sensitive to this subject. And I think that, you know, it's important that, you know, they understand that we're just trying to do our best. I know well. that. You've and, said that very well, you know, in fairness. Yeah. What yeah, can we yeah. see off the core coast now, for instance, across the summer? Certainly dolphins, various types of whales, undoubtedly, yeah? Oh yeah, I mean Cork is a hot spot for marine wildlife. Like it really is a brilliant place to, to bring the kids out and to have a look. You know, and the old Hedekin Sail is great for spotting harbour porpoises. Um, you can even spot large whales like fin whales and humpback whales. Um, you can head to towheads and galleyheads are some great watching spots. Um, and you know you can always go whale watching as well. I know the local businesses are definitely going to need a lot of help. And if you want to help, um to, you know, hashtag find foggy or essentially map all the marine wildlife in Ireland with the observers app. You know, head out on these boats and support your support the local maritime communities. Um, we definitely need it after COVID and we definitely need some positive news. So. And for now, you're asking people who will be out and about because they can travel much further to keep an out, take photographs and videos and to share them with you. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. So the Observers app is available for free on our website, www.orcaireland.org. Um, or you can also get it from Google Play. And it's going to be released for iPhone on April 30th. So um, just in time for summer. And we're essentially asking everybody to get involved and to start logging what you're seeing and join our leaderboards as well. And we'll be, you know, giving prizes for the top observers um, and really just getting people out there again. I think everybody is... is, is tired of being inside and they want to get out and they want to get, get some fresh air and learn more about what's around them. Emer, you're the greatest. Thanks for taking the call and good luck to you all at Ark Ireland. Appreciate it. Thank you. Um, it's interesting, um, you know, we have stories like this because, you know, it's good to be accentuating getting out there and having an opportunity to get out further than 5K. But again, she says, do so with, uh, and no disrespect, of course, to the good people of Dingle. It's not in that we want to make fun of the story or own it in any way, shape or form. And indeed, early indications from this blurry recognition that they're able to use is that it's probably not fungi uh, but then again you never know um good luck to you certainly if you're heading west or maybe you're out already maybe you guys have been outside the 5k already gone 20k 40k 60k i mean we're in the greatest county in ireland now for the lifting of restrictions being the biggest we have more places to go than anybody else this is the neil prenderville show tweet the show at neil red fm 104 to 106 Red FM. Many of the busiest streets to be pedestrianised came about after ideas and approaches from groups of traders on the streets. It's a collaboration more than a council solo run. It's important to note that the 17 streets to be pedestrianised went through public consultation last winter. There was an overwhelmingly positive support by the public 
who got involved in the pedestrianisation conversation. Thank you to Kieran, Councillor Kieran McCarthy. Cars still drive up and down Patrick Street between 3 and 6.30. No one's stopping them. And so much for being car free during these hours. Uh, thank you for all of those. Lots of other texts and different topics, including the t-shirts. Uh, sorry, the t-shirts. The teachers. Regarding uh, the messages you read out from last week's programme, I must agree, as much as I like you, you do seem to be allowing an awful lot of teacher bashing. It's kind of turning me off you. Or as they say these days, it's kind of turning me off you. I'm not a teacher, but I have family members who are. Most teachers are happy to wait their turn. It's the unions making the noise. Come on, stand up for our teachers. Accentuate the positive. I have done all of those things. I have said on numerous occasions that it will be all down to a vote with regards to whether the teachers back what what the unions want them to do and strike. I have also said, I have said many, many times that no teacher ever wanted to be vaccinated ahead of the vulnerable or the elderly. I mean, how many times? I mean, what you are saying is I'm reading out too many negative texts and emails and putting too many negative calls on the air. I accept that. Um, you know, I am trying to keep it as balanced as I can. And this is the first time this morning, 27 minutes past 11, I even mentioned the topic. Um, lots then on vaccine passports. What will happen if I were to take my nana, who's 89, and my dad, who's 78, for a meal? They've had their vaccines, but... I don't. What would happen if they have to have a vaccine passport and I don't? I think it's probably going to be inevitable that there is going to be some sort of a green line system green line system that will separate those that have been vaccinated and those that have not. We'll just have to wait and see how that one rolls out and people react to it. Now that some people have vaccinated, there's talk of opening the country to them only. I'm sorry, but the country opens for all or opens for no one at all. The rest of us who have not been vaccinated surely have a right to go out and about as well, says Beth. See what I mean? That's going to be the latest part of the division in society, those that have and those that have not. So, with that in mind, some other emails and conversations regarding what you guys have witnessed of late. And one is actually from... Am I allowed to give her an... Yeah, just her, just her Christian name, Lisa. I hope you're well. I'm writing to you. I'm writing this to you at 6 a.m. This is this morning, she wrote it. 6 a.m. before I start work and before I have the kids off to school. I just had to email you to share my absolute disgust at what I witnessed at Aldi yesterday morning. I usually wait till Sunday mornings to do my grocery shopping for the week. And as I arrived at 10 minutes to 9 Sunday morning, I could not get over the crowds. I am not one for following the latest offers. Uh, As being honest, I have to be careful on what I spend. But on pulling into my parking space, I realized that there had to have been some special offer on sale to say all these people were queuing. I had to go up towards the front door to get my trolley to join this queue. I observed the people at the top of the queue and they all had the same look. The look as if they hadn't worked a day in their lives. I was told they were queuing since 5am to get the items on offer. Grand for them, isn't it? And they're not getting up for work every morning at 6am like me. And you can be sure they paid for these items with their dole money, pup money, taxpayers' money. Even though I didn't want to purchase these items, isn't it a bit uh, fair that every unfair, I suppose, that everyone else who has worked during the pandemic lost out on getting any of these offers because of these people. I even saw a couple with three kids hanging off them walk out with three power washers. Then another couple walking out with three heaters for their garden. I was embarrassed for them. Nothing but greed. Sickening, really. The country really sickens me at times, and these people do too. 
Get off your backsides and get a job and stop using queuing for special offers as your new pastime. Annoyed mum of three, Lisa. Now, I think you are generalizing as to why people were in the queue um, and where they got their money from and what they do with their lives and whether they're working or whether they're not. Um, I mean, it's a a really broad statement to say that by the look at them, you could tell that these people never worked or never got up in their lives, you know, were buying the heaters and were buying the power washers with dole and pup money. That's a bit of a stretch, right? But what isn't is is people being allowed to buy three of the items. That's very, very unfair on everybody else in the queue. I saw a couple with three kids hanging off them, walking out with three power washers. So clearly the power washers are one of the special. They don't have many of them in the first place. There's never enough for everybody. So allowing somebody to buy three of them is not fair. It was the same last week. I think it was in Lidl last week with garden furniture. Do you remember that? And the queues. So apparently yesterday would have been power washers. Uh, and what did somebody, what did you say? Another couple walking out with three heaters for the garden. Um, clearly one for them. And maybe two then for friends and family members and stuff. But that's very unfair. It should be one item per family. Not per person. Per family. Two people go in. It doesn't mean that you can have one each. There isn't enough to go around. It's just not fair. Anyway, your thoughts on that? Text 0868104106. And then... I wonder you get to can you get to read out my mail on your show as I'd love to hear the views of your listeners on this topic. Last weekend, not the weekend gone, but the weekend before, I visited the Marina Market. I had been there before Christmas and I thought this was a fantastic addition to the city and this area, which I believe will be a vibrant part of the city in years to come. However, what I witnessed was a blatant breach of COVID guidelines. Correct me if I'm wrong, but the Marina Market is actually indoors and eating indoors is forbidden, is it not? However, in the market, you can stand and eat off barrels or wooden kegs. There is at least 30 or 40 of these around the market. I also find it disturbing that only 10 people can attend a funeral, but hundreds of people can attend this market. I find it difficult to comprehend how they have a DJ playing in there, which, in my opinion, is inviting people to stay longer. I also witnessed at least 50% of the people not wearing masks. I recently attended a family funeral in a Grange church where I had to stand outside the church because I wasn't one of the 10 close family members. So you can imagine how I felt when I attended the market and saw hundreds of people with no masks listening with DJ and eating food indoors. Not fair, not acceptable in my opinion. I felt sick leaving the market and cannot comprehend how the Gardaí are allowing this to happen. Great show, says Alf. It's been a while since I was down there, so I can't comment. But when I was down there last, and it was months and months ago, I thought it was brilliantly run. I really did. Most of the activity was happening outdoors. Uh, When I was there, restrictions had been lifted. Uh, So I imagine it must have been the run-up to Christmas when I was down there. We are in a different situation now. Uh, I haven't observed it since I was there when restrictions were lifted. And just be very careful. If you're going to be criticizing places like the Marina Market... Be very careful because we want those to be there when all this is over, don't we? We don't want to put the kibosh, you know. So I understand you're saying that there could well have been breaches because there was too many people indoors eating and there was places to eat indoors and there was a DJ and people standing around. Maybe they should have another look at it at the marina and just make sure that everything is cool and maybe tighten up a little bit because we don't want to lose them. You know, these are the kind of places we want to be able to go when things are relaxed and families can get out because the food offerings down there are fantastic. They're incredible, the food offerings. So let's get it right, shall we?
you know big changes of course from this morning no longer uh, 5k and we don't want that ever to come back again right? so let's bear all of that in mind however many streets will be pedestrianised in the city and I know we were very positive about the uh, fact that you know many of the city centre streets now will be pedestrianised you're going to see an awful lot of tables and chairs just got to bear in mind accessibility for people in wheelchairs and people who are disabled. I get that. But Seamus was in the city centre on Friday then. He went into town Friday afternoon. He was literally just speaking to people about the eat on the street plans for Cork this summer and indeed the pedestrianising of all of those streets. So he was in town on Friday afternoon. Let's pick up on the conversation. Yes. I think it's lovely. I thought it was lovely to see in the summer. Yeah, I suppose anything is a change. Yeah, it looked lovely. And do you think you'll be al fresco dining in the city this this year? No, I won't anyway. I don't think. Um, we don't know. Not in this weather. But I think it's a lovely idea, and I love looking at them in the summer. But I wouldn't be joining them. It'll bring more people in. They'll go in. Should they're looking at empty streets? No, everywhere you look, it's like a mortuary. You know, so it's a good thing. It's good. I think it's a good thing. If it lets people dine out and get back to some real normality then yeah why not and do you think it will be a boost as well for the retail sector here yeah i hope so once things reopen yeah definitely no i think it's a positive and it's a good thing well i suppose it's a good idea maybe we can make people sit out and eat but then we're not a continental country we, we don't have the weather really but i suppose if we might get a few weeks out of it you know but it'll cost a lot i suppose won't it it's hard to say it might be, I suppose, worth a try. And do you think it will bring people back into the city to regenerate it? Well, I suppose with all the shops now that are closed and everything, it's probably something anyway. It probably will help, yeah. yeah. The, the jury's out on it, I think. <laughs> I don't know, really. I suppose we just have to uh, see what happens, but it's worth a try because so many places are closed now. It's an idea to bring people back in. Is it something you welcome? Absolutely, yes, sure. The Restaurants need to be able to do business as well, and that's very welcome for us here, yeah. And do you plan on alfresco dining this summer? Uh, not until I get a vaccination, I'd say. <laughs> I'm a city centre shopper myself. I think that it should be regenerated in any way that's good for the city centre, yeah. I agree. Uh, I ride a bicycle myself, so uh, I'm not in favour of cars in the city centre. Uh, and city centres have been set up for cars down through the years, and we need to move that to setting up for humans. Park and ride is a great idea, and and, and that's that's the that's the type of thing that it, that should be promoted. I think it's absolutely a great idea for Cork, and the people needs this. And another thing, I know I was just listening to Neil there just before I came out of home. Wouldn't it be a great idea? I know there was a lady on about the parking and stuff. Wouldn't it be a better idea if the, the Cork Chambers or Commerce or somewhere got involved and got a sort of a special validation of the parking to, to entice people to come in in the evening and, you know, park up and have their meal? And I think everybody would benefit by, by that, to be honest with you, you know. That's my answer. I think it's a great idea. Badly needed for the city as well. Will you be al fresco dining? I no, bet, yeah. No, I get an opportunity. No, no, I wouldn't. I'd be if I, I tell you, I'm seven years of complications. I wouldn't... Yeah, just yeah, feel yeah. I'm frightened, like that's all right. Like a lot of people, I'm frightened, that's all. 
So, I'm Carol from the Best of Buds Flower Shop in the beautiful Winthrop Arcade on Winthrop Street. It will be fantastic. Anything that brings life, blood, and a pulse back into the city, we need it because it is dying a slow and agonising death. And and I suppose, you know, we can all deal with the, the COVID and the restrictions and limitations and what we need to do. But what we can't do deal with is the just the stress of just seeing the way our city is going, you know. And I think let's bring good, energetic um, people back into the city. Let's get them having their coffee their food and let's get the restaurants going because um, you know it's it's a wheel that turns it's an industry that turns and spills out to the rest of us so it can only be good for retail then because retail retail has kind of gone into a, an induced coma I think commercially uh, it has and um, we need we need to wake it back up again gently um, while respecting the, the, the restrictions and what we need to do responsibly you know it'll be difficult for us for deliveries but you know what um, I think we have a thick veneer now at this stage to take on uh, change and adversity and we have to we have to work work in that way from 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 here on in you know to make it work and to survive let's go outside as the fella says and now you can go outside much further than 5k anywhere in the county i for one anyway lunchtime i'm gonna pick up the old doll at lunchtime and we're gonna go down to kinsale for a bag of chips in dino's and maybe even a bit of fish i mean simple things in life <laughs> Get all excited about going to Kinsale for a bag of chips. Anyway, full return to all schools today. Two households can meet one another outdoors for social and recreational purposes. The only problem with that is people were doing that already. Travel restrictions relaxed anywhere in your county. Or if you're anywhere near the county bounds, you can go 20 kilometres into Kerry. Or you can go 20 kilometres into Waterford. You can go 20 kilometres into Limerick. All residential construction projects recommencing. Early learning, childcare, school-aged children's services, childcare services, all back. Uh, That's here. In the UK, though, um, they're powering ahead. And I'd say for the first... I can't put words into his mouth, but I wonder for the first time in a long time, does Mark Willington wish he was back in the UK? No comment, no comment. (laughs) Because this lunchtime you'll be having a cold beer al fresco outdoors in your local hostelry. It's true, although... Uh, it's very, very cold. There's one tweet from one restaurateur who said that the, the thermometer reads one degree, it's snowing, and I've still got 100 guests arriving to eat outside. But where is that? Maybe northern Scotland or over in Arran? No, Ar- I think that's... Uh, the Shetlands or something. It doesn't say, but... Th- oh, it's in London. It's London, so... Yeah. Okay, well, at least they have heaters, so... True. Every, like, from what I can see, everything, almost everything, is essential and non-essential retail is open, isn't it? There is a lot, yeah. I mean... Uh, Hairdressers. A fair whack, yeah. So hairdressers, non-essential retail, uh, even things like zoos. Um, uh, self-catering holidays in the UK are now allowed, providing it's your own household that are, that are doing that self-catering holiday. Um, there's now um, visits to, to, to care homes, um, children attending indoor activities, including sports. Um, the, 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 the good thing about the pubs being open is... Do you remember the, uh, the the big Scotch egg debacle where they had a sort of substantial... So here we had a proper rule, which was €9, Euro, that's how much it had to cost. Over there it was a substantial meal, but that's all gone now. There was so a big debate a about... They, they ended up in, in the House of Commons deciding that a Scotch egg was a substantial meal. That's it, yeah, that's what, that was the example, which is bizarre. But that's all gone now. That's all gone, yes. Yeah, so you can you can go out and you can have a, 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 a pint without purchasing any food. Is there a length under the time that they're able to sit outdoors at the pub? No, there ne- and there never was on, on that side of the Irish Sea. Yeah, there wasn't ever. Because just a for pig day. iron, I, on Friday, I tried to book an outside table at the Dog and Fox in Wimbledon <laughs> yep. for today at four o'clock. I wasn't going anything. I was just trying. <laughs> and the earliest time that I could get an outside table at the Dog and Fox pub in Wimbledon is Thursday afternoon next. 
Do you reckon there's a black market for that? If you, if you book that Thursday <laughs> afternoon and then try and flog it off to someone who's in Wimbledon? See if I, you think, can... I think that's what's happening at the moment with power washers and garden heaters. <laughs> the centre oil of, of, of Aldi. But, but so... Hairdressers are back. Yes, Gym, gyms are back. Gyms are back. Hairdressers are back. Um, libraries, um, swimming pools, nail bars, all of those sort of things um, are all allowed to. And that's reopen. just for step two. I mean, they're still. I mean, they still can't go on their holidays, but they can no. in May, can't they? May seventeenth is when stage three is supposed to happen, which is um, meeting indoors, thirty groups, um, uh, domestic overnight stays with people not in your household, pub, restaurants, hospitality, indoors. Um, all of those sort of things. So that's not until the 17th of May. So there's quite a lengthy gap between the, the, um, the very, stages. They're very excited about you. Some audio clips here. I know okay. I know that um, um, Prince Philip died at the weekend and it knocked Boris Johnson's plan of going for a pint on the head. He was supposed to go for a pint today, wasn't he? That's it, yes. Yeah. So he was supposed to... I don't, yeah, I don't know whether it was at midnight when the, when the rules relaxed or whether he was uh, planning to do it at some point today. But yeah, that all went by the, the wayside, so he's no longer. But he was caught on tape talking to uh, Sky News' reporter Beth Rigby uh, about him needing a haircut, but it sounded like a toss-up between going to the pub or the hairdressers. You need to get a haircut. I need a haircut. I'm going to say it. You do, do need I a do haircut. Need a haircut. <laughs> I do need badly need a haircut. But it's going to. It's going to happen. Can't you get Carrie just yeah, to trim it? She's going to have another go. Yeah. Anyway, are you booked in for April the twelfth? For the pub, yes. No, for the haircut. <laughs> Priority. I don't know about that. Well, why couldn't somebody cut his hair while having a pint? Yeah, true, yeah. Although I get the feeling he likes to have that hair. I don't reckon. I don't reckon he'd have to be forced to get a haircut, I reckon. <laughs> okay, and, and the other one then is to do at midnight pints, is it? So some some pubs even got extensions on their license licensing hours so that they could open as soon as the clock struck midnight last night, they could open up and serve pints outside. Bearing in mind in most of the country it was minus three degrees overnight so the fact that people turned up is insane but they did um, and uh, a guy called Paul Brown tweeted himself in, enjoying a pint uh, in a pub down in Bexley Heath in southwest London um, so this is him enjoying his midnight pint <laughs> listen to this we can now get a drink outside the Kentish Valley heaven heaven in a glass cheers yeah, the first pint mm. on the whiskey and coke we are so jealous. I, I love this tweet. Though. It says, it's freezing cold, but the booze tastes so good. <laughs> we are so, so jealous. Anyway, small mercies. At least we've got something and we have all that to look forward to going forward. So was there a big demand for places then? I mean, you know, I mean, it's early. It'll probably be this afternoon before you see it. You know. I, I would imagine so. And I'd imagine the weather's going to keep a lot of people away. But by the looks of it, not, not that many people away. But yeah, I imagine certainly, I reckon Thursday, Friday and then next weekend will be when you'd really see the difference. When things start thinning out a bit. Yeah. Appreciate it as always. Thanks for popping in, Mark. Cheers, my man. So big changes in the UK from midnight last night, including midnight pints. Back after the break. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850-104-106. Okay, lines open. Sarah standing by. First up, Annette. Good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? Now, Lisa is a very annoyed mum of three who emailed me this morning regarding regarding the specials, in this case it was Aldi, for mm. um, power washers 
and garden heaters. Um, she was sickened on a number of different levels, but amongst them was a couple with three kids hanging off them, walking out with three power washers, another couple walking out with three heaters for their garden. Clearly not all for their own family, though. Sure not? Well, I mean, look, they could have been buying one for their mother or whoever. I don't know. But I do know that recently I've noticed um, people are, are putting stuff up for raffle, like on Facebook and stuff. And I mean, look, if people buy tickets and they make money on it, that's their business. But I think that's where it's happening. With some but, of but, but wait a second. Now, the raffles, are they for charity? Um, I, no, I don't think so. But then know. it, then it is everybody's business. If they're, if they're going oh. in to a shop like that, taking too many of the product and then selling them on at a profit, that is our business. That is wrong. No. Okay, I, I didn't see anything wrong with it. I just thought, you know, if people want to, um, you know, buy a ticket for, for it and whatever, you know, it's up to themselves. For profit. I think there was yeah, well, obviously there's a profit. I mean, whoever is doing the raffle is, is making money on it, but, you know, but again... Can you not see thought, anything wrong? Am I the only person on the planet that thinks that's, that's disgusting? I, I don't know. I just didn't think of it like that. Um, I just thought, well, you know, if, if you were, if you wanted, a, you know, a power washer and you didn't have the money or you couldn't get into Aldi to get one, then, you know, buying a ticket for a raffle is a good way of maybe hoping to get one or trying to say get I, one. Say I buy um, three power washers at €100 Euro each, keep one, mm-hmm. raffle the other two, and I make 200 each on each of the power washers. Mm-hmm. And yet there's other people in the queue who want a power wash, but because some munter takes three of them, there isn't enough yeah. to go around, and I've queued for it and can't get it because you got three? Yeah, yeah. I suppose when you put it like that, yeah. But I've just noticed Sickening, that's, I think. that's happening, happening on, I see it on Facebook a lot now, you know, where there is raffles constantly for, um, for stuff like that. Why don't they know? have a one person or one family rule. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, I suppose there's definitely good evidence as to why there should be a one person um, rule when it comes to, especially stuff, I suppose, that is, is um, you know, there isn't very many of them because the likes of the power washers now and stuff like that, I'm sure each Aldi only probably gets in about 10. They they don't have huge amounts of them. No, so they therefore, don't. I know that, yeah. It's yeah. just unfair on others when people, it's greed to do something like that. Yeah, I guess again, as I said, I, I just didn't look at like that. Look at it like that. I just never bothered with the raffles because they're not something that interests me. But I see, you know, when people are doing a raffle, they, they, they sell out. You know, they absolutely all the tickets are sold. There's no problem. You you have no thought so, on her saying, um, uh, but the, the the she makes very critical reference to the cal- yeah, She says the I caliber did. of individual in the queue. Yeah, I didn't like what she said at all when she said like it looked like none of them had worked a day in their lives. I mean, now she needs to get her nose out of the air because, like, that's a bit much. That's that a good phrase. Oh. Get your nose out of the air. I haven't heard that one before. I like that. <laughs> I like that. That's um, that's a massive insult to anybody that shops in Aldi. I mean, who does she think she is? You know, anybody going into Aldi if they've got money to buy stuff, who cares? You know, it's none of her business. And she certainly shouldn't be passing judgment on others that are in there. Thank you for that. Well said. Much obliged to Ned. Meanwhile, Aidan was actually in Aldi, I think, this morning. Might have even snaffled one of them. Aidan? Good morning, Neil. What'd you get? Neil, I went in this morning because I needed a power wash for work. And there was three left in the panel when I went in. So I bought one, happily. Okay, how much were those power washers? 99 euros, mate. And they probably wouldn't pull the skin off a sausage, I'd say, would they? Are they any no, good? they're quite good. I, I've used them before, Neil. They're very good. Are they carchers? 
Yeah, no, this is a different one. It's a different one. The cartridge doesn't begin with the F270 back in my car there. And then that cartridge, no, and they never do a cartridge. But they do a trio, aren't they? So, what did you queue? No, there was a queue of about maybe 10 people max, which I was surprised to see on a Monday morning because there's never offers on a Monday morning. She People said, doing their grocery shopping, I suppose. She said, she sent me the email this morning and she was she saw the queue yesterday morning, Sunday morning. That's why, that's why I said in my text, I'm glad I stayed in bed on Sunday morning. The people were queuing from five o'clock, she said. So maybe some, maybe they're just not as interested in power washers down in Blackrock. I don't know. It's a Ferrex model, Neil. I'm looking at here in the back of my car. Because a decent power washer would cost you at least twice that, maybe more. It would, it would, to be fair. Um, but the trick with power washers is always make sure there's water going to them before you turn them on. Ah, they have to have water, man. Do you think I'm a total clown? No, the amount of people who do put the who turn them on first in the water, second deal, you'll be amazed. Why does that make a difference? Because then the pump primes and the water gets through the pump, whereas if you put, if you turn start the pump before you um, turn on the water, it, get, it air locks and it burns out the seal and the pump and the leak then forevermore. Oh my God, I understand what there's you're saying. Of, there's a sequence of events. Put water first and power after. I never knew... Well, not saying I didn't well, know it. I just, <laughs> Every day is a school day. So what are you going to power wash now? Power everything and water. anything, is it? And if it moves, yeah. you'll power... Well, I have, I have the wall at house at home to do no, that's why I didn't take it out of my car. And um, then I just use it for my job. I work in cars and I just wash the cars after I finish them off. Well done. Okay. All right. So, still a few... Le- are they all gone now, I suppose, in Blackrock? There, there? there was two left this morning after I took my own, so... Mike says, I saw a poor shop assistant having to take three power washers off, out, off one customer. Well, at least fair play oh. to him. Do you, do you think it's right to buy three? I know nobody ever needs three power washers, Neil. <laughs> one, is, one is more than enough for any man. <laughs> all right, kid. Well done. Listen, off you go. Fu- well, thanks, Neil. Fire it up. Send us a photograph of all of the work you're doing. You've got time on your hands, I'm sure. Meanwhile, um, I will come back to that, particularly if you have thoughts on what uh, Lisa had to say about people who queue for early morning specials. But Sarah, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm very well. And in conversation on Friday, and, and I was trying to be as delicate about the topic as I could because, you know... Obviously, I don't mean to invade in people's privacy, but people were talking to me about a lady down in Carrick Tool in the village of Carrick Tool, and yes, I think they were they were referencing they were referencing your auntie, was it? Yeah, she's my aunt. Uh, can, and they were saying that they would see her still to this day, and everybody loves her down there with a little loves baby her, yeah. buggy. Is that right? Yeah, she's got her daughters and her parents and stay dot as long as I can remember them. Uh, she'd be happy out up and down the terrace there more people beeps her the more happy she is and she is loved by everyone why do you say the old Carrick Tool Village are there two? well we we were old Carrick Tool Village for people that we know we have a lot more in Carrick Tool now it's bigger now of course Yeah, (laughs) it's a lot bigger now yeah but they all they all know her Okay, and how much can you tell us about your auntie is it Car? Auntie Car yeah yeah she's the best in the world she's healthy out she's happy out I was reading on the comments there the other day to her She's smiling from here to here now here looking at me. And she's delighted with life. And you heard lots of stories about her? 
Oh, loads of stories. The stories you could hear very, very positive stories, but there's also the other ones. People just making assumptions of because the way she is. Yeah, you know, like yeah, Some, we've been like, on holidays plenty of times, and you know, no, I have to stop people and say, "Would they say, you know, that girl in Carrie too?" I have to stop them and say, "Yes, she's my aunt." Before they say any more, but most people have been absolutely fantastic to her. We won't even go into the stories no, that are hurtful. No, yeah. no, yeah. The, 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 the positive outweighs the negative. And she's happy out. Happy out. She's sitting there now, smiling away at me. <laughs> Would she go out every day on hail, rain and snow? Well, well no, no. She, well, she go out in the cold. The only thing that stops her is the rain. She getting on a bit it. now, is she, your aunt? Yeah, she's 75 now since last February. Listen, the next, few day, the, same. the next few days, the weather is great, so she'll be out and about yeah. with a little brown. Oh, she'll be out and about now again, she will. And a little die. And you look after her, I'm sure, do you? Oh, yeah, she stays here with myself, yeah. Does she? Yeah, she lives with myself and my partner, yeah. Isn't that lovely? So, her mother had her before that, and my mother then had her, and now she's at me. And she's happy out doing her little happy thing. Happy out, happy out. And every- <laughs> everybody in Carrick Tool looks out for her as oh, well. Oh, everybody in Carrick Tool looks out for her. Do you want yeah. to say hello to Neil? Yeah. Hello, Neil, how are you? Hi, Ka, how are you? I'm great, thank you. Are you enjoying the bit of sunshine we're getting? I am. Are you going for any bit of a walk? In a minute. Will you go for a walk up through the village? Oh, no. No? Where will you go? In the terrace. And will you push your little pram with your dollies? Yeah. Everybody loves you. Do you know that? Lots of people are getting on to me saying that you're a beautiful person. They love you very much. Oh, thank you very much, Lee. All right, girl. Mind yourself. Thanks a million. She's delighted with me. Ah, Coral, delighted. She's a great girl. Thanks for taking yeah. the call, Sarah. Mind, sure. your, Thanks a million, mind yourself and all bye, the family. Bye, bye, great bye. stuff. Appreciate it. Bye. Eyes open at one 106 Back after these. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. Uh, lots of texts on con power washes. There's two different kinds. One is the one you need fuel for. You like where they're almost like a generator attached and they're big things. You know, you need them. I've, I've got a Karcher one and it's... It's, it's not great. It's just, it primarily is to get growth off the underside of a rib and it's useless at that. But, you know, you see people that have the big industrial ones and they, they go through concrete. But on that topic, Euro Car Parts are having power washer sale next Saturday uh, for seventy nine ninety five, And apparently they carry Karcher as well. Happy to pass that on and a plug for a Cork business. And also, I want to wish a very, very happy birthday to an old buddy of mine we soldiered back in the pirate days together. Thomas the Bomber Roach. So morning, Thomas, and also Lorraine. Happy anniversary to both of you. Um, I know you wanted me to play a tune, and I played the Water Boys years ago, years ago, 30 years ago when you got married, if I remember correctly. Uh, I didn't get an opportunity to play it this morning, but I'm thinking of you both, Thomas and Lorraine. Happy anniversary, Thomas the Bummer. Great jock back in the day, actually. Damn sight better jock than I was way back then, and I wish him well. And the final... Just a little bit of trivia for you. Um, apparently, we were talking last week about milk, whether you put it into the tea before or after. Super text from Darren who says, Milk before pouring tea is the Indian way of making tea. Originally made that way because British soldiers in India didn't like strong tea and put the milk in first. The tea makers in India are called chai wallas or chawalas. And that is where we got the original term for a cup of cha. Never knew that. I will leave you with that nugget. Have a good day. See you tomorrow. 
Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.